a test is in order. Five enhanced clones? More capable than an army. Yet they exhibit a concerning level of disobedience in disregard for orders. Nothing but trouble. But we get the job done. You're Climb Force 99. You know who we are. Hunter. Let's go. Echo. Hyperdrive's online. Tick. Prepping to jump. Wrecker. Let's blow something up. And cross here. Your move. We're all you need. I want Clone Force 99 found and wiped out. The galaxy's a dangerous place to be. We need to get out of here. What do you say, kid? You want to come with us? How can I help? Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. The decision is yours. We do what we do. Strap in, kid. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Hey, what's up, peacekeepers? It's time for another edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live on Phantom Empire and going to be pre-recorded and distributed on all of our podcasting platforms at the immediate conclusion of this live broadcast but we're so grateful to have you along for what's shaping up to be a pretty important discussion uh not only amongst uh star wars fans but i think just as far as the scope of television and storytelling is concerned this is a pretty uh significant discussion i know of at least two other podcasts that are talking about this particular show tonight so, like, we're kind of in competition with our friends a little bit. There's going to be regular people that are supposed to be in the chat that are, like, over at their podcast talking about it over there. So this is a pretty big discussion, all right? So put on your seatbelts or strap yourselves into whatever is closest to you because it's time to talk about the bad batch. I'm Zach over here. Oh, i got to point that way. <laughs> over here. Over, over there, over there. I got you now. No, I'm going in the wrong direction. Ah, uh, this is so bad. I'm gonna... 
<laughs> We're gonna have to edit that out from the audio description because <laughs> nobody's gonna know that we were like fake. Uh, no, not editing this out, uh, guys. You got to watch the video version to understand all the visual gags. It's just how it uh, works. High five, Ben. Good to see you. Uh, yeah, oh, see, hands going the wrong way. See, there, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, my brain, my brain, man. All turned around. But back here with Ben talking about the season finale and just the season as a whole of the Bad Batch on. Absolutely. And, dude, we we got 16 episodes. We talked about, like, the first episode, maybe, like, the first two episodes when we made the transition over to Phantom Empire. Our very first Phantom Empire. Right, I forgot about that. Talking about the Bad Batch. It took us like an hour and a half to get there because we were also doing a whole bunch of other celebrations and stuff. But we were talking about the Bad Batch. And now we're back to kind of bring it all full circle and talk about it some more. Um, very excited to uh, to be bringing that to our listeners and to the live chat on Phantom Empire. Um, uh, let's just go ahead and dive right in with some spoiler-free impressions, I guess. Yeah. And and then we'll circle back to the one other piece of Star Wars related news that we need to touch on tonight. But I'm just so excited to talk about the Bad Batch, man. Like, I, I personally really, really enjoyed the cameos that we got in this show. With a lot of them. There's a lot of good ones. A lot. I got a, I got a note card here. Look at look at it. There's like all of these oh notes. Oh, my God. Note card from like the different cameos that I remember. And then you know, some of the regular appearances that we got from characters that didn't have a whole lot of screen time on other shows. Um, I think that's probably one of my favorite components of this show. There are certain episodes that also kind of make me feel like I'm not even watching an animated feature. You know, there are, there are yeah. um, episodes that the detailing is just so great that I forget that it's a cartoon. And so I'm just, I'm... I'm I'm stoked about what they did, and I'm glad that it's getting a season two. That's that's my like spoiler-free initial thoughts was heck of a ride, and I'm ready to ride that train again whenever season two drops. I'm gonna echo everything you said, and you know, like the production value alone, like this is one of the best-looking animated shows I've ever seen. Like it's phenomenal. I didn't think like the Clone Wars was so amazing and and it kept getting even more amazing as it went. I didn't think they could top that, but apparently they did. And it just continued that and just the, the sound design and everything, the production and the animation was has been so so incredible in this first season and arguably some of the best animation I think we've ever seen for Star Wars. And then just and just that alone is great, but also you have the story, you have the characters, which I all really, really enjoyed and really loved. And I think that this was a great first season of Star Wars. I think it's one of the strongest first seasons of a Star Wars series that we've seen so far. And I think we've had. I think that's. I, I think it's one up because I think we've got a lot of great seasons of Star Wars animation. Sure. Um, but like Clone Wars. I would say this is better than Clone Wars' first season. Like as much as I love that season, it's very hit and miss. There's there's some really great episodes. There's some really okay episodes. Mm-hmm. I would personally rank Bad Batch above it because I think it was so strong. Yeah, 
I've got some criticisms. I've got something. I don't. I wanted more echo. All right. I wanted more of this or that. There was a couple episodes that I'm like was kind of bored by, but overall, I think it went in the right direction, telling a linear story, introducing us to these characters, reintroducing them really, but introducing them us to Omega and some new characters, and really just going all out. I think the Bad Batch is very very strong, and I'm with you. I can't wait for season two. Yeah, that's that's a, that's an interesting point, but. Do you feel like perhaps this first season, I don't know, benefits maybe from having such a solid foundation in the Clone Wars? You know, there's a there's a precedent for the animation style now. There's a precedent for the characters and, you know, what to explore and what to expect. Um, it doesn't go into itself as blindly as shows like Clone Wars or Rebels did where you know, it's still kind of sorting itself out in the first season. By its very nature, the Bad Batch is essentially an extension of the Clone Wars. So yeah. if if they if they really, really wanted to, they could have called this like the Clone Wars season eight or whatever. But as we notice in the final two episodes of this series, they give us a very visual and very definite description that lets us know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the clone wars is officially over yeah it is it's not a standalone series it is but it isn't it is a true sequel to the clone wars i dare say i think someone coming into this would be left out of a lot of stuff it would be confused at times i mean this show Literally picks up. You could, I think, you have if you've seen the films, you have the reference point of of Revenge of the Sith and, and Order sixty six and all that. I think yeah. that works. That could work, but there is some other cameos. Captain Rex shows up. Cad Bane shows up. There's a lot of stuff happens. Oh man! Spoiler alert. Um, but um, there's so much that happens. That I think you would have to have seen Clone Wars to kind of really appreciate it, if not understand it. It's a sequel. It is a sequel series. It is a continuation. It picks up where basically Clone Wars left off. Um, so, you know, I don't know, like, how does it fit into all this where it's like it is a true continuation, whereas the Clone Wars couldn't continue because the Clone Wars ended, but the Bad Batch kept on going. So that's where we're at right now. Um, but I don't think it's hindered by that. I think it does enough on its own to kind of establish itself and establish these characters. And yes, there's many cameos. But there's also some great character moments. I think the the best part about one of my favorite parts about the season finale was the fact that it stayed the course on keeping the focus on these characters versus having a, oh, Ahsoka's here. No, that would distract from the story of the Bad Batch. I think that's a stronger way to do it. I think that's what was really great about this, you know, how it ended and how how it was structured overall. Yeah, I was half expecting to at least see Rex show up in Me too. The Me too. finale. And I guess we're kind of getting into spoilers a little bit here by saying that he didn't show up. But, I mean, come on, people. You've had over a week to watch this. If you haven't seen it yet, like, I don't know. This is Sad Batch Friday. This is the first Friday we've had without an episode of The Bad Batch. You've had officially a week to watch the finale and more than that for all the other episodes and they're on disney plus people come on um but uh yeah it's it's really 
yeah, I think I think everyone's pretty much on board. There isn't like a ton. Like, there's one thing that happens in the season finale that like is was I think genuinely surprising to me. They're like, okay, they they didn't do that. They didn't go through that. Um, but other than that, there wasn't. It wasn't about like, oh, a big spoiler. It's about like development of these characters, where they're going and where they end up. Yeah, that, that that's a good point. Like, I don't think there were any big major plot twists. In fact, if anything. I would say there were probably a couple of plot holes, but we'll get to those when we discuss the actual finale in a second here. Um, I'm going to go through the cameos that I found. I'm going to bring up my little index card here and go ahead and list like the cameos that I recognized or that I acknowledged during my rewatch. Obviously in aftermath, we're seeing the bad batch. Um, they were they were assisting Depa Bilaba and Kayla Doom. Right. So we've got we've got those cameos. Then we end up seeing Saul Guerrera. Then we get Cut Laquane. Then we've got uh, <laughs> Fennec Shan, Bib Fortuna, the Martez sisters. You mentioned Cad Bane a little while ago, who we haven't seen since February of two thousand and twelve. <laughs> Crazy. 2012 we're in 2021 people it's been nine years since we saw cad bane on the scene and we get him in this show you get senator orn frita you get cham and harrison doula you get az3 who helped fives during the lost missions tarkin is back on the scene rex is back on the scene gregor's got an episode like there's there's just so many people. Obviously, you've got Lama Sue, Nala Say, people like that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them cameos because they show up in so many episodes this um, this season. But to have that much crossover and that much connectivity to the rest of the Star Wars universe, um, I think it sets a precedent for how seriously we're supposed to take these 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 TV shows. You know, if, if Luke Skywalker showing up in the season finale of Mandalorian wasn't enough, like this show kind of confirms to us that we need to examine the full scope of Star Wars and not just a certain couple of episodes that we just want to like pick and choose the importance of. Basically, every show and almost every episode of every show has some kind of significance attached to it, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And I think by having all of these different characters intermingled and making appearances in the Bad Batch, it just reaffirms to us that this is this is a show worth paying attention to. Right. And it and it and it kind of establishes because like that was one of the questions that I had going into the Bad Batch. Like, okay, why these guys? Why are we focusing a show on all the characters, all the things you can do in the Star Wars universe? Why do you do a show about the Bad Batch? not that I didn't like the Bad Batch or didn't think they were interesting, but they weren't the most interesting characters that I could have thought. I, if I had my choice, I'd be like, whoa, oh, well, get get uh, get Ahsoka, get Rex. Let's see what they ha- what happens to them right after Order 66, what happens there. And now, you know, having the Bad Batch, I think it established itself as like, okay, this is a legitimate show. And also it's a worthy kind of addition to the the saga as you can say um so i think 
with the cameos and with thing your and and just with the destruction of Camino near the end and all the what happens there, it's like wow, this is a major event in Star Wars Galaxy. This isn't just something personal journey for this. This is something real that's really a vital thing is happening. And you mentioned it in the last time we spoke. You know that scene of Camino falling was incredible and incredibly sad mm-hmm. and you know and it and it kind of up the stakes and and really kind of put makes like wow this is something i wasn't expecting yeah yeah we can we can talk about that um that that was something that i definitely wanted to bring up there there were a few questions that we got from people in the uh peacekeeper hangout the you know galactic peace hangout group that uh, we're definitely going to touch on that and we'll take any questions that you wanted to present to us right. in the- chat on youtube as well um but there are a lot of people on twitter that were talking about how the destruction of camino not only brought closure to the concept of the clone wars but there are some people that actually felt a more like a deeper emotional connection to the loss of camino than they did to the loss of certain characters (laughs) <laughs> like Camino's not even a character; it's just a location. But right. to, but to witness Topoka City and and the cloning facility uh, suffer the destruction that it did is just a very visual, very graphic representation. That hey, uh, you remember that thing called the Clone War where you needed clones to fight in the war? Well, guess what? We're not making any clones anymore because the place where you make the clones is gone. And I I just honestly I was thinking back to season 3, you know, when of the Clone Wars when the separatists tried to attack Kamino. Yeah. And the the connections that it had to the Domino Squad, which is like my personal favorite storyline to follow in the Clone Wars. I love following Fives and Echo and and Heavy and all of those um Droid Bait and Cut Up, I think were the other ones. And you know, uh, Fives and Echo were helping defend Topoka City in season three. And now the place where, you know, they were fighting alongside the regs and, and helping the cadets, you know, uh, escape droids. None of that matters now. It's all gone. And the 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 animation style in this sequence in particular was just extremely moving because Kamino is known for its darkness and its storms and its depth while being extremely bright on the inside we basically got a reversal of that where oh, wow i didn't even think about that yeah yeah because you've got the the klaxons blaring and the lights turning red and stuff going yeah, on yeah and apparently the the kaminoans had been controlling the atmosphere causing it to rain and storm outside because as soon as the facility was in the ocean, the freaking sun came out on Camino. That doesn't happen very much. You get a complete reversal of everything that you knew about this place where it was bright on the inside and dark and stormy on the outside. And then the storm comes down to Topoka city destroys it. And the sun comes out. It's like a, a way of closing the story and letting you know there is no going back. Yeah, it it's yeah, and it's like it's such an emotional thing for the clones. Like 
we spent like if you watch just the movies, it's like, oh, the clones are there, they're created there. What do the clones think of the of Camino? Like whatever. Like we get in that that first season of Clone Wars, we get rookies. We haven't even seen Camino yet, but Rex has that great speech about, you know, we're gonna we're gonna defend Camino. It's the closest thing we have to home. So we're gonna we're gonna lay it down and we're gonna do this. And we have heavy sacrificing himself in those great moments. And that just sets it up for further. And then you get to that episode, and I think it's in season three, where <clears throat> that they have to defend Camino. And it's all on the line. Yeah. And it really it enhances their thing. And you have 99 story, all this kind of stuff. Really emotional, heavy stuff that is important and establishes how much the the, the clones care about Camino. And it's funny, I think in the books, I think it's the clone commando books, it's completely opposite. Like they apparently they hated Camino in Legends. So, you know, it's one of those things. But uh, I definitely like this version better that like, yes, they would have a connection to Camino. That's that's all they have. That's the only the connection. That's where they were born. So and then having them watch and then you have that one clone officer that shows up and he's like, oh, all the all the, the facilities have been destroyed, sir. And he's clearly not happy. He's like the one clone trooper left on the ship and he's not happy to have to report to Rampart that uh they just destroyed his home. Sad stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. Because you know that eventually he's going to be decommissioned. Like, the foreshadowing right. the foreshadowing is so there. And, and even Hunter recognizes it in part one of the finale. You know, he recognizes there's no more regs in the facility. He notices there's no more Kaminoans. And he basically looks at it and he's like, this facility is being decommissioned. And Crosshair's like, well, why do you care? You never cared about the regs before. Like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this show PG thirteen now because in these final it's PG thirteen segment, y'all happens once a week. It's the it, well, I mean, if I could, I'd turn it rated R. But we've got our own R rated show where I can just completely let loose. But in these last two episodes, I'm not gonna make any bones about it. Crosshair was being a little bitch. Just a petty, obnoxious, narcissistic, ridiculous, just a little bitch. And I'm like, I just want to, like, smack you upside the head. Like, you never gave me a chance. Did I have a choice? Why do you care about the rags? You don't even care about your own brother. Like, like what the hell, man? Like... (laughs) part of me wants to feel sympathy for you because yeah like you did kind of go out on your own but to a certain degree you kind of made that choice like i don't know we'll we'll get into that but i I, just going off of that i i do i like how they bring crosshair in and it makes you rethink like wait a minute did they like what was his whole deal and apparently you can watch the season and tell the moment or the episode where after he gets his chip taken out because there's a, a shift in his personality. Because, like, he's doing some really messed up stuff. He's, like, crazy trying to kill them, like, in uh, Battle Scars or the episode after that, Reunion. And, like, he's full on. Um, but you you can kind of see where he's coming from, but you also, like, have to go back and go, like, 
the Bad Batch were, were running away from him most of the time. He was trying to kill them. And, I mean, Hunter says it, that, you know, we didn't have a choice. And Crusher says, like, well, I didn't have a choice. But I'm like, dude, you had your chip out. Apparently you did have a choice. So what the hell? So let's talk about the chip. It was kind of a big point of discussion over the course of the whole season. You see several of the clones get them removed. Um, You don't actually witness Crosshair's chip removal, though. And there's a lot of talk on, on Twitter especially, but other social media. I've seen it in certain Facebook groups, too, where... It looks like there was more some sort of a an explosion or a a burn on that side of his head. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't look like the type of surgical removal that that happened to the other clones. I I don't really understand the phrasing of him saying that he had it removed a long time ago. I I don't know if I'm completely convinced that he doesn't have it anymore. Apparently so going back to going off of not like canon material, but like what the creators have said, I think Jennifer Corbett at one point in an interview said like, yeah, he had his chip taken out. That's confirmed, whatever. Um, I I don't know. I agree with you that like seems like there is room because like does he know he had his chip taken out? What he, was he told it was taken out and maybe it wasn't? Um, I think – thematically they're trying to tell us and i actually talked about this with uh, our good buddy jeff over on hype function a few days ago you should go definitely check that out um but i kind of went into like okay thematically they're trying to tell us that his ship is taken out like and i think to to like to go like say okay he doesn't have a choice he doesn't have a choice oh he does have a choice he did choose this and then to maybe next season flip it around again and going like oh wait no he did have his chip all along that's a bit of a you're 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 playing with our emotions here i don't really like that um i like the idea and, and people were talking about it for months now since you know series started of what if he they take his chip out and he makes the choice to join the empire i always like that idea i think i think they made the most interesting option out of this I yeah, the door could be still open for him to have his ship, but I think it would take away from the fact that he has made his choice and he is acting on his own free will. And that is something that's going to come into play later because, you know, he's gonna get screwed over by the Empire. They they don't they tried to kill him. They they freaking blew up the city while he was in it. They don't care about him. He's already been screwed over by them. And and that's part of what makes this season finale feels so convoluted to me and maybe maybe that's not the right word because i enjoyed it don't get me wrong i enjoyed it the 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 visual the the fight scenes the tugging of the emotional heartstrings the the thematic closure that you get to signify the complete and utter end of the clone wars like all of that gets wrapped up into like 45 50 minutes of epicness um but at the same time the the scene in the simulator where they take the lift up and they meet Crosshair and Hunter and he he says I'm going to I'm going to do for you what you never did for me I'm going to give you something that you never gave me which is a choice like yeah that's definitely a far cry from the from the Crosshair that was like shooting at them in episode 8 reunion right like, 
I, I can I can I can acknowledge that. Um but I just this was what his big plan was. Like he's been he's been planning and scheming about how to locate and track down and do something to the bad batch and then he finally has his moment of truth and rather than get revenge on his on the on the brothers that abandoned him, he's like, Join the Empire, you're meant for a greater purpose. And I'm like, Really? Like, like after all of this, you're the one that's going to be like compassionate and caring and try and like forgive and forget. Like, I, I don't see him being any of those things. I see him as a, as a petty manipulative bitch. And so I, I don't, I don't see where this side of his character is coming from. It didn't really make a whole lot of sense for him to be like, I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to hunt you down. And then even before the finale, you know, you've got Hunter in the holding cell. And he's like, I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do like it all just very much sounds like he's still after revenge. And then in the middle of nowhere, it's like, join me. And then you go to the final episode, they've decided on no, and it's like he goes back to being a, a petty, brooding, passive-aggressive little bitch again, being like, I've made my choice. I'm not coming on the shuttle with you. I'd rather drown on this platform. Like, Crosshair's story makes very little sense to me. Please help me sort this out, because it, like he's hunting them down, gives them a choice. Passive aggressive bitchy little brother. What is his character? What is his motive? What is he after? How does he respond to the way that the Empire treated him by leaving him behind like this? Is he going to be just blindly loyal to them the way he wasn't blindly loyal to his brothers? None of his persona seems to add up. And maybe that's intentional, but to me, it's just frustrating. Well, a lot of it rides on not just our perception, but the character's perception of him and his motivations. He starts out, he has his chip, it's working halfway, and they enhance it to where he's fully loyal, he's fully in on the Empire. Um, but before that, he's like, eh, whatever. Like, he's he says, okay, we need to follow orders and stuff like this, but like, he doesn't necessarily feel like a true believer in the empire i don't know but then he gets his chip in hands and he's full-blown on in the empire death trooper whatever you want to call him and then you go a long time and and omega keeps coming back to the idea that it's not his choice he is not he's not in control you know just like all the other clones well and but, we, we get we get a glimpse of that with the way that wrecker behaves when his right. made it. like we see what happens to a Bad Batch clone when the chip is active and when they're in full rampage mode. And so, like, we get a nice little comparison contrast there, but once Wrecker is, like, fixed or whatever, I feel like I'm talking about neutering a clone when I say that, but you know, once he's been fixed, he kind of goes back to his old ways. But this doesn't even strike me as Crosshair reverting back to just following orders it it just strikes me as he's got an identity crisis. Well, yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a huge thing with him because, like, he goes through all this and is just absolutely ruthless. Goes to to to, to Onderon and wipes out a bunch of rebels. Like, he does some horrible things, 
But then, and then he tries to kill the Bad Batch multiple times, and then, and then, and then, we have the whole thing with, okay, now he doesn't have his chip. Now he's he's trying to, like, he realizes that, like, he's got himself back, but at the same time, he's still loyal to the Empire. He's still in on this thing. He's like, despite being mind-controlled, I'm still along with what I was being mind controlled with. And so, and then he's like, okay, I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to do what they didn't do for me, which is I'm going to give them a choice because they didn't give me a choice, even though all the times that they could have given me a choice, I was trying to murder them brutally. Yeah. I I feel like we basically just said the same thing in different ways. Like, he his personality is all over the place. Like I, I definitely it's funny. I have a more positive outlook on it. I'm I'm like I'm coming at this like I think it's interesting that like they did this and they ended it the way they did and he's like he the chip isn't in his head anymore and the where it ends. I get where you're saying though in the fact that I I kind of even agree with you that like it is a bit like okay what is going on what is happening here because it is a bit kind of up and down I and mean, just like in general how they've treated the chips like they haven't they they the chips being a thing was a big thing in the first part of the season then we have other clones show up we have gregor what happened with his chip did he execute order 66 what about hauser what about all these other clones they don't address it they don't talk about okay what's the deal with their chips i thought that would be a bigger plot point of we need to get these clones but they're mind controlled we have to rescue them and get the chip out that hasn't been a thing in this season, and it seems to be complete a, a plot point that's been completely dropped. And I, I was kind of disappointed with that. I think the plot point was kind of a means to an end, though, specifically honing in on the Jedi Order. Once the Jedi Order become basically a non-factor in the storyline, that's kind of when the whole chip conversation gets dropped, because like. Rex, after after the loss of of Depa Balaba and the escape of Caleb Doom, uh, once you have Rex show up on the scene, Rex is connected to Ahsoka. We all know that from the final season of the Clone Wars. Once Rex kind of leaves the scene in the first third of the season, I believe what is it? Um, was it decommissioned? It's uh, Rex, Rex is in battle scars. And then the next episode is Reunion, where they where Crosshair shows up. So Rex is in Episode 7, and then Crosshair shows up in Episode 8. Once Rex leaves in Episode 7, I feel like that's kind of when the chip conversation is done. And so, like, there's no more connection to Force Sensitives. There's no more connection to the Jedi Order. Like, those chips were meant to bring about the downfall of the Jedi. The Jedi have fallen let's shift gears that's kind of how i saw it i guess but see i i get your point i think i think that's probably where the writers were coming from my counterpoint to that is wrecker going bad had nothing to do with the jedi it was about him being his him saying good soldiers follow orders doing his whole thing about you're in violation of order 66 you need to come with me you're gonna die whatever doing all mm-hmm. this there wasn't a jedi involved if like it would have been different if like ahsoka was there and like Ahsoka was with Rex, and then his chip activates. He's like, "Oh, I gotta kill Ahsoka. There's a Jedi. I gotta kill her." 
and do all that. There wasn't that. And after after the the premiere, there was no Jedi. And then you have even in Cut and Run, you have all the clones out there, and they seem to be like under a spell. They're mind controlled. They're like doing all this Empire stuff, and they're not of them of their own mind. It has nothing to do with Jedi. It's more like being, but like, does it wear off? Whatever. They never really explain that or address that to me. So here's my counter counterpoint. <laughs> I love it. The theory among certain message boards is perhaps Omega has a little higher midichlorian count than we are led to believe. I still like that theory. I still, I still am of the mind that, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is another thing they didn't come back to in season one. Remember, first episode, end of Aftermath, they're trying to leave Kamino. And Crosshair is about to kill them. But then out of nowhere, Omega grabs a blaster and she blasts Crosshair's sniper out of his hands. Bullseyes him. They get in the ship. How'd you do that? I've never fired a blaster before. What? You, Omega's yeah. never fired a blaster before. And she nailed him. Like she was a better shot than Crosshair. Mm-hmm. And there was other things where she was copying things. And it was, it was almost like this mimicking, almost like this force thing where she had this special power to like just watch someone do something and then do it. They never came back to that. All they do, the whole revelation was, okay, she's a clone. She's a pure clone of Django. Just happens to be female. They never come back to the whole idea of what makes her special. Mm-hmm. I don't think being a girl necessarily makes her special. No. So what is her special power? They keep asking that. They keep hunters going on and on about it with cut. What makes her special? They don't answer that question. But Omega was the first one to identify Sid from the group of strangers, too. Another thing. There's so many different instances where she's like, there's something about this kid. And a tactical genius won several consecutive games of Dejaric. I feel like the reason she is so good at that isn't because she's a tactician. It's because she anticipates moves before they happen. Who else was able to see things before they happen? I believe that was a direct quote from one Qui-Gon Jinn observing Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we've got like several questions in the chat that I think need clearing up. There are some people that are fairly new to Star Wars in general. Right. And so we're going to address a couple of those questions. And then American Turkey Burger asked us to explain things to us in detail. So we're going to we're going to have to circle back just a little bit here. But DMT Infinity says, I'm very, very new to Star Wars. But is Boba Fett or Jango Fett or however they're spelled, are they clones or do they just wear clone trooper armor? Like, is it a manipulation tactic since they're assassins or is it just an aesthetic choice? George, a.k.a. Chosen Nightwolf, replies, Boba is an unaltered clone of Jango, which we get explained to us in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, uh, who was the original template for the clone army in the Clone Wars. DMT says, oh, spoiled. Well, I asked for it. But damn, (laughs) I always assumed Jango Fett was his son or something. Um, And then American Turkey Burger is saying, please explain it in detail to us how she wasn't a Jedi child. Okay. DMT, uh, to to answer your question first, I would just recommend, if you haven't seen Episode 2, Attack of the Clones yet, I would recommend it. 
because you actually see a young Boba Fett hanging out with Jango Fett. So you see that like Jango treats him like a son, even though there wasn't a woman involved. It's just right. a it's just a copy and paste of Jango younger and gave him a different name. So Boba is Jango's son, more or less, even though it's just like a genetic duplicate. And that's basically all the clones are, too. Every clone trooper you see in the Clone Wars TV show that you see in episodes two and three, all of those clone troopers are copy and paste of Jango Fett. He is the clone template. But the difference with the clone troopers, and Ben, you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but I feel like this is one area I do know. You're right. Uh, They used like a growth acceleration hormone in order to get the clones to age a little bit faster. So instead of waiting 18 years for a fully grown, fully developed clone, you could get them into the adult stage by age nine. And so that's, that's kind of where the clone trooper army came from was just a very acceleratedly made duplicate of the original guy, Django Fett, even though he is now deceased, they still have the DNA the problem is that DNA has been deteriorating. When you when you take samples like that, eventually the DNA strands copy come up. Copy, copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. It becomes the copy of the copy of the copy. And that's why Omega is so important, because she is another genetic duplication of Django Fett just in the form of a female. Essentially and the sister of Boa Fett. The sister, more or less. But what makes her important is that she has the purest DNA of any last remaining member of the Fett clan. And so that's, in my opinion, why the prime minister was so obsessed with keeping her alive was because he wanted that DNA template so that he could keep making more clones. But my, my counter theory to that would be since she was made in the same genetics lab as experimental unit 99, she had to have been experimented on herself. The, cloning facility had Jedi that came through the facility on a regular basis, sometimes as mentors, sometimes as inspectors, sometimes uh, overseers like Shock T was in the Clone Wars. The Kaminoans had access to Jedi DNA. And I can't help but wonder if Omega was another experimental clone that had an infusion of midichlorian cells to try and make her a little bit force sensitive. Yeah, that that sounds like and that sounds like something that they could reveal in a future season that like I feel like they've left that question open and hanging for a reason, which is why season two is so important. Right, right. So so that's that's the whole thing with like and the fact that the the clone army, like all that stuff is is gone now, like they if they want to and there and who knows like i i'm curious like what was um <clears throat> what was lama su's plan there what were they trying to do were they trying to create another clone army because I, I, again more exposition that isn't even actually in the movie a lot of times but mm-hmm. uh in attack of the clones but prior to attack of the clones during the phantom menace era mm-hmm. sifo diaz has a vision does his whole thing goes off to Camino and tells them, hey, there's a war coming, whatever. And so the clones that are created, supposedly even including the Bad Batch, are created 10 years prior to that. So it takes about 10 years, about half the time of a normal person, like you're saying, um, to grow these clones up to normal size. And they even say that 
in this last episode that Omega is technically older than the Bad Batch. They're probably about eight, nine, maybe ten years old. She's 12, 13 probably at mm-hmm. most. She remembers them when they were when they were created, but right. and she is technically like in mental wise, she is a lot younger. Um, she lived a very sheltered life on Camino and, and was raised like a, basically a normal human versus that the bad batch guys, which were raised up real fast, trained, turned into warriors, sent on the battlefield. Things that Damn. Oh, I apologize about that. I I literally accidentally unplugged my computer. Oh, <laughs> I unplugged my internet. Oopsie. <laughs> Your hands were just flapping. You got really excited over everything and just whoop, there goes the power. Oopsie. Yeah, I won't do that again. Um, uh, okay, so DMT Infinity is just like completely mind blown in the chat right now. Ah, like, <laughs> yes. Like, like at one point, like, what the hell? I, I can't wait to get to the Clone Wars. This sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> And so that's why this chick is so special. Jesus Christ, what an amazing plot. The entire Star Wars thing is just one mind-blowing concept after another. Yes, we've converted another one to the religion of Star Wars. (laughs) This episode is a success now because we converted DMT Infinity to Star Wars. Um, But here's the the really interesting thing. Our first view of Kamino is in Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. Right. And our last view of it, essentially... It's going to be here in this season one finale. I kind of want to find all known appearances of Kamino from episode two through the Clone Wars TV series to the end of season one of the Bad Batch and just watch them all in sequence back to back to back in order to um, gain like a deeper appreciation for the planet, for the facility you know, just for for everything that has to do with Camino, because I'm kind of in that boat that we were talking about earlier about experiencing a loss of a character, more or less. Like mm-hmm. seeing the defense of Camino on the Rishi Moon, seeing the defense of it in season three. Right. Uh, you know, watching different clones, you know, grow and mature in this facility on this planet. Um, it's just it's 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 a fascinating concept. Yeah, yeah, it is. I I love that we're I love that we're getting to explore this. I love that we're getting this very clone centric story. And it's funny that the Bad Batch seems to be more even more clone focused than the Clone Wars was, and that's saying something because Clone Wars was all about the clones a lot of times. And it's really it's just great that we're we're getting this and getting this thing. And I'm again we go into. The future. We go into season two. I don't want to talk too much about season two because there's so much to talk about in season one, but that's freaking Mount Tantus at the end, guys. Yeah. And, uh, we're going into uh, more clone territory, which probably connects to Thrawn and connects to the Mandalorian because there's that one person that has the patch on their arm and it looks exactly like what Dr. Pershing is wearing in the Mandalorian. And that probably connects to the rise of Skywalker and Palpatine. Coming. There's a lot of happening, all right? This uh, DMT affinity has no idea what he's getting himself into. The mythology of cloning is expanding at a alarming rate right before our eyes right now. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we'll get to Tantus and the Thrawn connectivity uh, towards the tail end of the program. 
Our host, Sean, actually had to step away for a little bit, but he actually asked to be a part of that conversation. Oh, okay. Well, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll zip it on that for now. We'll, we'll say that. Well, we'll, just hit, we'll just hit the pause button. Just be like, boop, we'll come back. We'll circle back to that in, in just a yeah, little I'm just bit. Gonna... Because, well, it's even listed in the description of the show, you know. At the <laughs> it's, it's right there. <laughs> As Mount Tantus and Thrawn, like that is going I mean, to I be. I thought it was fair game, like apparently. It is. It is. It is. Just whenever Sean, it's right there because Sean is very excited to talk about it. He put exactly. it right there. Exactly. Sean made the graphic, and Sean wants to talk about those things, so that's why it was put in the lower third. But yeah, we are totally talking about Mount Tantus in there because there's there's definitely a lot to explore in that as well. So. um there, there was another question from uh, American Turkey Burger. And we've actually got questions in the like uh, the Intergalactic Peace Hangout. Yep. You know, what topics do you want us to talk about? We'll talk about those in just a second. But there was there was one more question from uh, American Turkey Burger. Said something to the effect of, "What if she started her own clan? Could you explain her past a little more, just so we understand her perspective?" Uh, ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of the reason why some of her backstory is so vague is so that we can unfurl more in season two. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much quote unquote backstory she has other than like, you know, understanding where she came from. Who is she? What is she made from? Like, what was her purpose? Like, why was she made in the first place? Like kind of her her existence in Nalase is still around to kind of answer those questions maybe. And Omega may know some of those answers herself, but her backstory basically is she just lived on Camino and literally never left until the bad batch took her away from there. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, but like, yeah, I think season two could be more ex- exposition heavy in regards to like explaining what, you know, I've seen a lot of shows where, you know, season two, season three, that's your, they get into the meat and potatoes of the story and figuring out who your characters are. And so I'm very, 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 very curious to see where this goes in season two and getting more of all these characters. Well, I mean, we didn't really find out what we were supposed to find out about a, a certain mysterious girl until two movies after somebody asked the question. So who's the girl? Right. So, right. I mean, and then sometimes we got some answers we didn't want. I'm just gonna yeah. say that. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, but the but the point is, Star Wars has a tendency to take its time as far as exposition is concerned. It as a, an audience, we are very impatient. We yeah. are very like we want all the answers right now. And that it took us a, a half before we figured out what Baby Yoda's name was. You right. Know? Like, we didn't find that out. There wasn't, like, some ID tag wrapped around the kid's neck that we learned the name by episode two or something, you know? Like, it took time. It takes time to expand upon these characters. And I think they left uh, Omega's character intentionally vague enough that you see some things about her that could make you speculate. But there's also a lot of other things that we just straight up don't know yet. And we're probably going to find out more as time goes on. And so um, I'm glad that they didn't make everything like 100%, you know, exposed, if you will. Yeah, I make it sound like they're undressing or something. But <laughs> I'm glad that not everything was, uh, you know, storytelling nude for us. Like, give us, give us a 
exposition striptease or something, you know? <laughs> Let, let's let's take our time with this and that just weird. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I had a metaphor and then I just started rolling with it and it you, got as I kept exposition. Going. <laughs> striptease. Oh look, this episode where she's playing Dejaric, I'm taking off my my glove. There you go, audience. <laughs> like I don't know. <laughs> but I am I'm I'm okay, yes, okay, stare at me, fine, whatever. What are you gonna do about it? Um I I think I think there is some beauty in the ambiguity because that gives us an opportunity to learn more and to watch more. These sixteen episodes were awesome. Oh yeah. And there's there's gonna be plenty more. So before we get to the actual questions I uh, want to give a special shout out to uh, Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett for their support of the show. Both of those guys are at the shout out friend tier or above on our Patreon page at patreon.com uh, slash IPC podcast. If you want to get a shout out on the show, that's where to find it. If you want exclusive access to our show notes and some behind the scenes stuff that we do in between episodes, there's a special Facebook group for that that's exclusive to patrons. We got all kinds of really great benefits, uh, including top billing during our top five discussions, opportunities to potentially join us on this show or on the R-rated program that we do once a month. Um, there's some really, really great stuff that you can do there. So um, just uh, check that out at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. And we actually do have an advertising segment. And our friend Jesse actually is paying for an advertisement right now because he's got his own show that he's trying to get up and running, which is really awesome. I listened to the first episode called um, of question possible answer where uh, he and his co-host just bring up some speculations on different possible outcomes of movies and franchises. If things had gone a certain way. Mm. So one of his main questions was um, what if Watto had accepted Republic credits? You know, how would Star Wars have played out if Qui-Gon's like, I have 20,000 Republic Dietaries. Okay, deal. And they're just on their merry way. And, like, it's like, bye, Anakin. Have fun being a slave. Basically, if you wanted that Star Wars What If series that everyone's talking about now, um, this is it. This is it. This is as close as you're going to get to it. So the, the description is as follows. Come join us at Question Possible Answers. We discuss some of our favorite movies with a twist. Ignoring canon, every question is on the table unless the answer is given in the series. We also introduce our own fun theories and possibilities. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram at question slash possible answer on Facebook and question underscore possible underscore answer on Insta. Now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast services i have insider information that uh, a couple of their next episodes are going to involve the indiana jones series Ooh. and the jurassic park series yeah i'm game i'm getting really really excited about those hope you guys are now too so that's cool. that's really cool let's, let's delve into our uh, listener feedback yeah, we, we got can... quite a bit don't we we do we do um Joel has requested that we talk about Mount Tannis and the Thrawn loose adaptation. We will get to that when Sean shows up. Steven sent us a very sarcastic topic. TBBQ watch. The Bad Batch. The Bad Batch Q watch. Bad, the Bad Batch Barbecue watch. Bad Batch BQ watch. I 
I don't. I don't know. I, I don't do know what you're implying there, Shinder, and I'm afraid to ask. I do have a very interesting uh, barbecue watch segment for tonight. If you don't have anything thought up, I've actually got I something. I believe I do. I'm very I could put it in the show notes, though, because somebody didn't give me editor access to the notes before we I went. I just did. <laughs> I think you clicked the wrong link. I'm just saying. I clicked the link that you sent me. The other link went to this this uh, this website that started with a P and ended with a B. Maybe that's where I've been getting all of these these weird thoughts from. You didn't get that link from me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, that's on you. That's on you. Uh, Jesse, one of our patrons, asks: At what point did Crosshair get his chip taken out, and why did the Empire allow him? To remove it. Ben, you seem to have more thoughts on this than I do, because my thought is, it's not gone yet. (laughs) But why do you think the Empire was okay with the prospect, even, of a clone that would have been subject to mind control no longer being under said power? Well, yeah, it's like, okay, first of all, how did he know it was there? How did he know the chip was there? Seems like the, the guy, all these guys that have the chip in their head are pretty oblivious to it and are under mind control or whatever and he is like super enhanced how did he know about it who helped him get it out did he get it out himself if so did he do it without the empire's permission how do you go about doing that mm-hmm. i would not think the empire would want you to do that you know right. it was it was this whole thing of like they don't want to take a chance on what if he turned against them they want to keep him on their side keeping that chip in his head make sure that he's this most deadliest the most ruthless imperial agent that they have so that's a great question i don't really have an answer to it like obviously you have what happens to him after um in the episode of the union where he gets his face all burned and stuff like that like that's a obvious place to point of like okay maybe he had his chip out taken out there maybe it was damaged maybe they because because crosshair says i had it taken out well that can be interpreted a lot of ways maybe it's they it was damaged and it was gonna make him do some crazy stuff and they just took it out for him maybe and then he woke up and gun oh i still like you guys and he just kept on going i don't know i don't know it's like 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 zach has kind of like opened up to me it is kind of convoluted i hope we get some more clearance in next season like okay what exactly is going on here i can buy that crosshair being he was a dick all along. I'm just going to say it, all right? He was kind of an asshole the whole time. So him- even, even in the story arc from the Clone Wars, he was kind of aloof and and dicky to people like Rex. So Exactly. So like, it's, not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that he would just join the Empire. But how did he arrive at that conclusion? And how did he get there? And how did he get his chip out? That's, you know. My, how do we get those answers? My bigger question now is how does he feel about the Empire now that he's been abandoned by them on Camino? Like, I think at this point he feels like he's in too deep to be able to go back now. Like, it's almost like a prodigal son type of story where it's right. like, I can't do this now. I have to stay with the with the pigs in the sty because if I go home, I'm not going to be accepted by my family. It's it really seems like he's bending over backwards to like justify their actions because the hunter says that like he they left us here to die. What are you talking about? And he's like, 
the Empire did what what needed to be done. Like, what does that even mean? They didn't have to destroy the place. Like, and they certainly didn't have to do it while you were in it. They don't care about you, dude. They don't. So what happens to him now? I think I think that's probably one of my favorite parts of this season finale is that he chose not to return to his brothers at the end of the season. There wasn't like a season-long redemption arc type of thing. Because if they do, then that would indicate to me that they don't want to do a season two. That like, oh, they all lived happily ever after and sang Kumbaya on Coruscant. Like, <laughs> I, I don't see that happening. I see it being more of an antagonistic role going on now. Uh, but to what extent and to what degree? Because... He's still pretty pissed at his brothers, but if I were him, I'd be pretty pissed at the Empire, too, for leaving me stranded out here. So, like, is he going to start having moments of of clarity when he finally does make it back to the Empire? And he recognizes that, like, his position isn't as secure as he thought it was? Or is, is he going to start, like, having second thoughts about stopping his brothers and, like, actually letting them accomplish some of the missions that they're going on or something like that. Like, I don't think he's going to necessarily join them, but I can't help but wonder if he's going to like be all petty and passive aggressive against the empire by allowing the bad batch to successfully complete their missions in season two. Here, here's what I'm expecting. And I'm going to make a prediction at the end of this. Okay. I think that, the season two, his season two arc will be him slowly realizing that the Empire, like not realizing it, but accepting the fact that the Empire cares nothing about him and will throw him away at at first, you know, chance they get, and him kind of waking up and. I think maybe by that point, maybe he'll have some remorse for what he does. I don't know if he'll go back with a bad batch, but definitely doesn't want to stay with the Empire. I think bad, but I think Crosshair is going to be the reason that we don't see Admiral Rampart in the original trilogy. I think Crosshair is going to cross him off before this is over. And when he does that, he becomes just as much of a rogue as his brothers were, but he's got too much pride to join up with them. I could see him joining a group that is like a third party type of thing. I, Crimson I could, Dawn, brah? Aha! The Crimson Dawn is a very legit possibility. We saw the Pikes in this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. think we could see him just as a bounty hunter. I think he would kick ass as a bounty hunter. And uh, great. Okay, here's another train of thought. Fennec Shand is supposedly a sharpshooter by the time we get to uh, Mandalorian. Right. She- pretty decent shot but we also saw her being really manipulative and doing a lot of hand-to-hand combat in this season not as much sharpshooting as i was expecting what if she gets sharpshooting lessons from crosshair crosshair and fennec team up how awesome would that be i'm just i didn't uh, even think about that but that's amazing like like his like both of their sets of sarcasm and wit seem like they are just lined up perfectly for a collaboration, but that may be like season three speculation at this point. I think your speculation about Rampart is spot on though. I think there's a reason we don't see him in the original trilogy and we will, we will get that reason 
possibly as soon as season two. So that's a, that, that's a, that's a good one. Joey's got a question about our expectations for season two and beyond. Um, probably need to save that for the end of the show when we do our final thoughts on our planet scores. So we'll circle back to that question, Je- Je- uh, Joey. Why do I keep saying Jesse? Because we just did Jesse's question. <laughs> it's Jesse and Joey, and I'm just meshing Jessoe. That That's their name now. Um, Matthias had a, had a few really good um, questions. Yeah, yeah. My goodness. Uh, wow. Two, two comments with about five questions total. Uh, <laughs> goodness. Uh, your feelings about how the show progressed, if you think it progressed well, or is the batch still a bit too stereotypical and too dimensional? Um, I think characters like Hunter got a lot more depth than some other characters did. Uh, I feel like that was intentional, though. Um, I don't, I don't feel like every single clone in the batch was supposed to have his day. So, um, Maybe they'll do that in season two, but I think the focus was supposed to be on Hunter and Omega, and they succeeded at doing that. So that's my yeah, opinion. I think Hunter, Wrecker, those two got the most development. Tech a little bit. He went from he went from I thought it was obvious to like how should I know about this? It was just a little tiny bit. But and then Echo was just in the background the entire time, and Crosshair. We've already talked about Crosshair at length. He's 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 all over the place. Um, so, but I'm looking forward to season two because I hope that we get more into. And you know what I'm hoping for? I just thought about this this today. The fact that Az is with them now. Az spends a lot of time with Fives. Yeah, and. Maybe he got his memory wiped. Maybe he didn't. Maybe there's still some leftover holographic recordings of Fives or just more information on what happened to Fives. And maybe that can be a catalyst for Echo getting some more development next next season. You know, him kind of finding out what happened to Fives and, and you know, all that and seeing his legacy kind of play out um, and seeing what Echo wants to do with that. Because that is one of Matthias's next question is, you know, um, is there somebody that uh, needed more screen time like Echo? I think if there is some sort of connection to Fives and the Domino Squad in general, right. I'll definitely be happy with that. Like like I said earlier, the Domino Squad was probably my favorite storyline to follow. The The Citadel arc, I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but back when the Citadel arc happened, like... I changed my Facebook profile picture to be like a thoughts and prayers for echo type of picture. Like it was, that was tough, man. It was the sideways turn smoking helmet. And like, I was like legit depressed over the loss of echo back in that day. And so when we had the episodes of the rescue on Skako minor, I was like, what? like it was, it was like such a huge relief to me to know that the Domino Squad survived. And so, if there is something more we can do for Echo, I am all for it because I just I love the Domino Squad. So yeah, I love that one little moment we got this season of them debating about going to get Gregor, and Echo was like, "You did the same thing for me. Like you literally went in there, guns a blazing, without any information to rescue me, and it worked. Like this is why you need to do this now." And like calling on surrounding it it worked for them too and that's saying not the same way but uh it did work out overall and echo was right mm-hmm. and we got to see 
Clone Commandos for the first time. Clone Commandos, yeah. It, it, another, again, it had been a long time since we've seen them in, in animation and even longer since we've seen them in, in video games, but so good to see. So good to see Gregor again and all the Clone Commandos. I mean, out, outside of, of Gregor, had we really seen any Clone Commandos in any of the previous series? There is one scene. In Season 3, it's Witches of the Mist. It's the final of the Night Sisters arc, if you remember. Savage Press, Ventress, all that that big saga, the start of that one. Mm-hmm. And there's after the whole, after Savage goes to Devron and wipes out a bunch of Jedi and clones, there is a scene immediately after that in the next episode where Delta Squad shows up on Coruscant. And anybody that that well, just look up Delta Squad Clone Wars, it'll show up in your YouTube feed. Um, and they they show up, and it's like their one little cameo, the one cameo from Delta Squad from the the uh, Republic Commando games, and they show up. And other than that, we don't have any. The other only other one is, of course, Gregor. But like this is the most Clone Commando I think we've ever seen. Oh yeah, in one place. Like there's so many of them. It was even more in the season finale. It was more you know hanging around at that base, Mount Tantus or whatever it is, than any any place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean the uh, the other base that they were on, where they were training the TK troopers. Um, right. Was it Daro? Was that Daro? Yeah. So the. Uh, the training facility on Daro reminded me a lot of the Death Star. Oh, yeah. It even had the Death Star music. It had Death Star music. It had, like, the little mouse droids running around. It had those very deep and pristine hallways like you get on the Death Star in A New Hope. Um, there were just a lot of things that reminded me of it, and it helped me recognize that it's just a imperial design you know it's not just the death star that looks like this this is how it looks across the board and i think it was that episode in particular that kind of helped me forget that i was watching an animated show for a while because mm-hmm. the dense forests and the mountain ridge lines and everybody in their trooper armors and stuff for a minute it looked like live action it it, it right. straight up did some of the fight scenes, some of the chase scenes, Incredible. some of the jumping aboard the shuttle and stuff like that, trying to to escape from the base. All of that just had a very deep, rich visual component to it that made me think that I wasn't watching a cartoon. And, and there, there's not very many scenes in this show that do that, but that whole episode practically did that for me and i had a blast just getting lost in the star wars universe for a little bit there it was awesome yeah war mantles one of my favorite episodes of the entire season really great episode not just because of gregor but because like the whole tk troopers and all the great music and the sound effects you know they they went all out and like this is the empire this is the empire coming of age and becoming a thing and like the first real evidence of like, wow, the, the Republic is like, this is not going away. This is the start of something. Yeah. War Mantle is probably like a top three episode for me. We'll get to favorite episodes in just a second. If we have to kill time for Sage, we can do favorite episodes. <laughs> well, we got uh, plenty to talk about. While we're waiting for Sean to come back. Another question from Matthias. 
If Omega has powers outside of being a female clone, what will it be? Force or something else like uh, coping? Uh, I love force powers, but maybe it's time for something different. I think he means copying others. Copying? Okay. Copying. It, it may have been a, may have been a spelling thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't believe it would be copying. Um, just based on her tactical skills in uh, at the Dajar, at the Dajaric table. I'm still leaning towards just an incle- increased midi-chlorian count. I don't think she's a com- like completely Jedi or completely Force-sensitive, but I think if you have a slightly higher midi-chlorian count, it just makes you a little more in tune with the world around you. And so I, I think my my gut tells me just higher midi-chlorian count. Well, I think the lore there's there's stuff in the Force Unleashed two that is not canon anymore that suggests, and they straight up say in that game that 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 you can't clone Jedi, that it's you know it's not possible, and all this kind of stuff. And, and of course, the game goes on to prove that you can do it. It's just a bit complicated. Well, but, I mean, episode nine goes on to prove, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But <laughs> it, it, it would, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. But like. It goes on like it seems like if if you could just easily clone a Jedi, like they would have done it for the clone army. Like they would have done, they would have cloned Sifo Diaz or whatever. Like why not have a bunch of thousands of millions of of Jedi clones? Like why not do that? I think it was more comp- complex. And a lot of people are already like pointing to like, okay, Omega's force sensitive, and that means she's connected to Palpatine and all this kind of stuff. I don't think we're getting Palpatine in this show. I don't think this pal- this show is about how Palpatine returned eventually 50 years in the future. But I think is on the road to that. I think she's going to be somewhat Force-sensitive. It will be a step in that direction of, okay, we can clone Force-sensitive people. This is how we're going to do it. And so that sets the stage for everything Thrawn's doing everything Moff Gideon's doing and then eventually what Palpatine could pick up on and go I'm back baby yep I would I would tend to agree so I I think Omega's laying the foundation for what we're going to end up seeing more of in shows like Mando and Ahsoka and stuff that basically preludes episode nine and like you said earlier this is setting a very large precedent to change our perception of cloning technology as we know it in the Star Wars universe. And Omega could be like the building block that's leading up to all the other things. And maybe maybe this is the thing that's kind of disappointing me a little bit. Because if we'd gotten some of these preludes and some of these things before Episode nine. I think I might have enjoyed it a little bit more. Like, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy episode nine. Like, obviously, if you go back and listen to Skywalker Pod, like, I I had, like, a few very loud defenses of that movie. I probably wouldn't be as loud uh, about it now, but I did enjoy it. But knowing what I know now, I think it would help me enjoy it even more than I did before. And so... I guess I'm a little sad that the timeline is what it is because if we'd gotten some of this stuff like Omega and some of the stuff from what they do with the child, what they do with Grogu and Mando 
If we'd gotten a little bit more of that before Rise of Skywalker, I would have been like, oh, 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 they're they're building up to this. Look what they're doing. Like, exactly. I probably, I probably would have been a little more excited. I'm still excited to see where it goes, and maybe I can watch it through the eyes of my girlfriend or something, possibly. Like she and I, she and I just finished the original trilogy together and we're going through like Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith next. So like, we're kind of working our way up through the rest of the franchise very slowly, very methodically, but still trying to go through it. And uh, hopefully we can do some intermingled Clone Wars and Bad Batch and things like that um, to kind of get us to that point. Um Next question, unless you had more thoughts on this one. No, no, no. I, I was I was looking at uh, the many more questions that my Matthias. Yeah. All great questions. They are. Uh, but he has plenty. Uh, favorite funny moment. You know, I, I don't know if I watched this show for the comedy. I, I'm sure there were some funny moments, probably some stuff that happened in Cut and Run probably made me laugh the most because of the right. kids and, you know, just the wacky, adventurous nature of it. Um, but I don't know if I really laughed at, at this show all that much. Maybe the episode where they're trying to um, trying, trying to rescue Moochie. What was that? Episode 5? Rampage? Rampage. Moochie, episode- Moochie! The episode where they're trying to rescue Moochie, there were lots of laughs in that one. But um, other other than that, I love I the really... I love the tech based <laughs> tech based comedy. Um, I crack myself up. Um, tech the I loved. I mentioned this earlier. Um, tech in the first episode, I think he's like, oh, he like deduces that uh, that. Uh, Tarkin is talking about the Bad Batch, but he doesn't include Echo, or that Lama Sue is talking about the Bad Batch, and that he deduces that that uh, Omega is the fifth member, I think, or mm-hmm. fifth or sixth, and that Echo is a reg. He wasn't that. And they're like, well, why didn't you mention this earlier? And he's like, I thought it was obvious. <laughs> and then couple that with later in the show, literally the second to last episode. I'm sorry. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. What, what do you got to say? What do you got to say? I, I thought, I thought you were going to reference the echo joke with the Martez sisters. Oh no. Okay. That is the best one. <laughs> that is the best one. I'm sorry. I forgot all about that. It is the best one. That is one of the greatest jokes ever, ever. Is there an, is echo, there in an echo in here? I'm echo. What? I'm echo. Look at each other like, what? <laughs> and that goes all the way back to the Clone Wars because he would like repeat the regulations and the oh, orders. Yeah. In and they're like, stop echoing orders. Like, no. that that's just, that's like. Don't a call me echo. Stop repeating every order. And then they're like, is there an echo in here? I'm echo. <laughs> But, but please, getting, back to, getting back to the tech real, real quick, uh, tech in the second to last episode, they they show up in the in the thing, and and Omega starts explaining like, oh, this is where you created, and Wrecker's like, whoa, what is this? Was this possible? And tech is like, how should I know? <laughs> how could I possibly know that? And it's just like a total total turnaround of like him acting all smarty pants, and then like, w- w- why do you think I have all the answers? 
I only act like I know what I'm doing. Well, but I think that's an interesting point to Tech's character is for much of the show and even going back to the Bad Batch arc, he's very knowledgeable about a lot of things and very able to deduce certain things just yeah. based on the process of elimination. But the way things are going right now for them, as far as Hunter's capture and Omega's backstory what could end up happening next. Like there's a lot of uncertainty now that the war is over and tech much like everyone else is kind of out of his element. And so to see him go from being somebody that's like super confident and smart to being somebody who's maybe not as certain about things anymore. I think that's a very small, but very poignant example of character development to see him go from knowledgeable to not so knowledgeable. Like, getting stupider is a sign of growth, okay? I, I'm going to go on the record saying that not knowing something is is a sign of, of growth. Because <laughs> instead of trying to, like, BS his way through it and make something up, he just kind of looks at them exasperated and is like, I don't know. Yeah, I love, I, I do love Tech. He didn't get a lot of development this season. He didn't get a, a extreme amount of content. I, I, I do love Tech. I, ho I hope we get more development and more just from him next season and get some get some more depth to him and uh, get, get stump him a few more times. Uh, he says, I've heard that next season we'll have a time jump. What do you think about that? That is something that I very much hope is true. I hope I like time jumps. I like it when you can open a season and it's not like I think, look, there's a lot of things about the sequels, sequel trilogy that I, I like and don't like. And there's a lot of things. And genuinely, I love the way that Force Awakens interfaces with Last Jedi, I love that you can watch it as one big movie, but at the same time, it kind of sucks too. The fact that there is no development between the two movies, they can't really do anything, the characters are kind of still the same, um, and they can't do anything. Whereas when you have a time jump, it's like, okay, we're moving forward, stuff's happened, there's implications, there's the characters have developed since we last saw them and stuff's happened so that you can – it's much more interesting to me to catch up with them as opposed to catching up with them immediately after the season airs this this season and then nothing's changed and whatever. Like I want to see them like, oh, they've been running bounty hunter jobs. Uh, oh, Echo left because he was tired of their crap and you know, <laughs> and we're going to find out what happens. Like there, There's any number of things that can be different, and it can immediately move the plot forward. You can learn about it through the season. Yeah, it's almost like you jump ahead and then go back and catch up a little bit. Right, right. Instead, exactly. of, instead of just like like pushing forward from where you're currently at and letting it all unfold for you right here and right now gives you a chance to uh, to to kind of like backtrack a little bit and and experience something else from it. So plus, I love the idea of of catching up with them and uh maybe they're a little different maybe they've changed their armor maybe they look a little different maybe omega's a little bit older she'll have a new character in her model she'll look a little bit different maybe hair's longer stuff like that i i love the i love the visual stuff of like changing oh. of the characters stuff like that 
some of the fan art of her when she's like a little more grown up love with, it, man. With, with her light bow was like oh yes i am here for that yeah so so good i i did i did enjoy seeing that and i and i enjoy how much the fan base is kind of getting around her yeah. you know like right. like it, it was kind of a gamble let's be honest it was kind of a gamble introducing a new clone that um, had an Aussie accent <laughs> and didn't sound much like D. Bradley Baker does. And so, you know, there there was definitely like a bit of new to introduce, but I, I really feel like everything that they introduced, uh, particularly in her character, was was really well done so i'm 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 very i'm very glad of that every once in a while i'll see uh i don't like that kid she's annoying but like 90 percent of the online chatter that i see which is a lot and and usually it's a lot of negativity is like protect omega at all costs i love that Bear in mind, those were probably the same bitchy fanboys that had a problem with Ahsoka in season one. Yeah, the totally people that just aren't self-aware enough to like, yeah, you hated Ahsoka back in the day, um, but now you love her, but you pretend you always loved her. And and now you cheer over Rosario Dawson getting her own Ahsoka live-action show. Meanwhile, there's message boards back in 2008 that would say otherwise. Look, all I need is a picture from season one of Ahsoka and a picture of Rosario Dawson Ahsoka. I just over the first picture, it says, if you don't if you don't like me at this, you don't deserve me at this. All right. You don't deserve live action Ahsoka if you hated the original Ahsoka. That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking of like the the first screenshot we got of her from when she disembarks the shuttle in the Clone Wars movie, right. like the outfit that she's got there, and then we do one of like Rosario with the with the with the white lightsabers, and we make it into that office meme where it's like corporate needs you to find the difference between <laughs> these two photos, and then Pam has like one of those, and then the other one is Rosario, and then you like, see and she's like. It's the same picture. <laughs> like, exactly. Exactly. Like I, I'm straight up thinking of I'm gonna go do that now. If you don't if you don't make that meme, I will, buddy. <laughs> Cause I think that would just drive some people crazy and I wanna be controversial. We will collaborate after the show. We'll make this happen. All right. <laughs> um the other most of the other questions kind of refer to like next season predictions or stuff that we promised Sean we would talk about with him. Um but Jesse asks will we see inquisitors or maybe even darth vader uh or other cameos that could be unexpected come future seasons i say i say yes to vader because they can't avoid that fan service all right vader's got to show up in everything if he's in the thing he's going to show up um even if it's just a little cameo i would say no to inquisitors because Inquisitors are like they're to hunt down Jedi. Like I don't, they're not going to show up unless there's a Jedi on board. Unless the bad guy starts running around with a Jedi, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but Vader, I would bet money on. See, I'm, <laughs> I get the fan service, I, I do, but I also 
just I don't see it. I don't. I you don't. You could be right. You could be right. I don't know why. Like we got him for all of like fifteen seconds in the very very end of the Clone Wars, and that was it. Like we didn't get a whole lot of Vader there. We got a little bit of Vader in Rebels, but not a whole lot. And we didn't even get Ahsoka in this first season. And if we didn't get Ahsoka in this first season, I have a hard time seeing Vader being in it. If we can't even go to a primary Clone Wars character, if we only got Rex for, like, you know, brief cameos in two or three episodes, and, you know, we're we're kind of, like, pumping the brakes on Ahsoka, we're a long way from progressing all the way up to Vader, man. We we only got Tarkin for what, like two episodes and then a cameo in the finale? Like mm-hmm. some of some of these characters that we're that we're talking about just haven't played as prominent a role in the goings on of this show. So unless things really, really kick into high gear, I just only see Crosshair and Rampart being the primary antagonists of season two. Anything beyond that, it kind of depends on on the two of theirs relationship. You know, the relationship right. between between Rampart and Crosshair, you know, is it reparable or does Crosshair off him and you've got to bring in somebody else? If that happens, my first pick would be Thrawn. But maybe that's just because I really, really want Thrawn in more television. But <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of Thrawn showing up a lot. Um, but clearly, clearly, Vader is going to show up in the last scene of the Bad Batch where he kills all of the Bad Batch members. That's where it's going to be his scene. Um, no, seriously. Seriously, oh. though. Uh, I don't know any inside scoops there. I don't know any inside scoops. Promise. Um, oh. I I agree with you. I hope that they pull back and say, we, we, we're not going to use Vader. Vader's not going to show up. We're not going to use him. Because, like, they could have done that with this season finale. I was fully expecting a huge cameo. I was expecting, you know, Rex and and Cut and Gregor and all of them to get together, and they're going to show up, and they're going to show up in a big like, submarine like a very, or something. Like, and, a very, like a very Avengers-style, you know, rescue type of thing. Or all- I, I, even Ahsoka. Like, I was fully expecting Ahsoka could show up. Like I, I kind of was too. Like I, I thought that the reason we hadn't seen much of Rex was because he was out recruiting help, and the more people we saw show up, like Cut and Gregor and Rex and you know whoever else, I was thinking they're not just gonna have them show up for one episode. This is like foreshadowing that we're gonna see more of them later on, and the only person we haven't seen yet is Wolf. Yeah, and I, I. If if there was ever a cameo to show up in season two, I'm betting money that Wolf shows up. I think it's inevitable. We've had we've had two we've had two of the three older clones from Rebels that live in the ATST. Not ATST. AT what what is that one? Not T E? What type of Yeah. AT T E? The Walker. The Clone right. War Walker. Um, two of those three that were living on the Walker and Rebels have shown up already. So that means we're going to get the third one. Like, we have to close out the trifecta and bring those guys together. So right. if there was ever a cameo that I could pretty much guarantee in the next season, it would be Wolf. But other than that, I, yeah. other than that, I, I would hope 
for Ahsoka, but I'm not going to hold my breath because if they had her show up in the season two finale of this and the season two finale of Rebels, it seems a little too pedantic, but it's it's possible. Uh, Jesse's in the live chat saying just stopping by to say hello. Unfortunately, hey. precedence. I will come back and watch when I can. Well, that's the beauty of having it on YouTube, dude. You can watch it whenever the hell you want. It's right here. You can literally rewind right now and watch it again if you want to. That's the beauty of it. I legit did that during you guys' first live video feed of the Star Wars Underworld podcast because I I hopped in late because I suck at multitasking. And you're like, Zach, you're in the intro, dude. (laughs) Wait, I'm what? And I was like, I had to go back and, and see the little cameo at me that i made and and i appreciate that and and congratulations to you guys by the way on finally making Thank it to like that's a that's a pretty big thing i remember when we did that a couple of months ago it was a pretty big deal so uh i'm excited to see where that takes you guys yeah uh, yeah it's very exciting we did our second episode last night that's out on youtube go over to uh youtube.com slash star wars underworld you can get uh there's also a uh uh, a bad batch discussion, which I was not involved in because they did it at two in the morning. <laughs> but uh, sure. um, yeah, it was a lot. But uh, I, I'm a night owl, but I don't think even I could podcast at two in the morning. Like, I think we did that in 2016 and I learned my lesson after that. <laughs> yeah, the Rogue One discussion was like my limit. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like, I, re- I remember watching Dominic fall asleep at the sound mixer like he was just i cannot believe we did that i cannot believe we're like yeah let's do it in the middle of the night i'm like why and then joey mays out in pennsylvania it gets to be about you know two or three a.m on the east coast and it's like six eight six a.m on the east coast it's like two or three on the west coast where we're at and he's like Hey, I'm waking up to start my day, and I'm listening to you guys go out it in the middle of the night. And I was like, "Oh my god, we're really up pretty damn late, aren't we?" Ugh. Yeah, it's not so a good you, idea. You're going to hear some of the weirdest Rogue One tangents in the world. That would be, that would be the place to to get your fix. Um, All right. I think- I think we got one more question. Uh, it comes from Chris Abbott, who's actually hosting Outer Rim Transmissions right now, probably talking about the exact same stuff that we are, but he's going to probably hop back around and, and listen to it. And this is actually perfect timing because we can finally get into this discussion um, because he's finally back. And uh, I don't know if he's going to like – magically produce his way into the video feed or whatnot. Is he going to show up here? Is he going to show up down there? Where's he going to go? I'm predicting the, the bottom third right here. I'm predicting that. And, and and he's going to help us talk about this particular topic. It's one that Chris sent into us. It's one that Joel sent into us. It's one that's just been a topic of discussion so far. He wants us to talk about, Mount Tantus. He spelled it tennis, like tennis courts, but it's... I think that was probably his autocorrect getting that. Probably, because Chris usually knows better than to do that. Um, But, Sean, whenever you have the opportunity, man, let's talk Mount Tantus. Ah, he did take the upper third. he He flipped it! He flipped it on us! But Chris wants to talk about Mount Tantus and uh, tying 
into uh, Mandoverse and the heir to the Empire and stuff like that. Um, dude, I I was a little surprised to find the art descriptions that confirmed this in the first place. Like, how did you feel about that being confirmed? And how do you feel that that's going to, to play out in Season 2 and other parts of Star Wars as we move forward? Uh, so I need to be upfront and say that I've only seen the first four episodes of Bad Batch Season 1. Okay. When this happened, my phone like just blew up because people that in the Star Wars world that I talk to anyway know that I'm a big Legends guy. And uh, I'm like, okay, well, I'll check this out. And without even seeing the confirmation, basically, as soon as I looked at the mountain, I was like, it's a little different than prior descriptions of it. But it's like, yeah, no, that fits. That's Mount Tantus. Right. And uh, I mean, it's an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. And at the same time, not to, you know, bring up any negative stuff. It's kind of a weird time to be a Star Wars fan, too, <laughs> because uh, you've seen so much like they came in. Ben would be able to tell us when the uh, when they squashed the, the old canon. I think that was like 2013. That was that. Yeah, that was that was like 2013, 2014 when they made that official announcement because it was right after the Disney sale and everything. I always understood why they didn't keep everything that happens like 30 years in between six and seven that I got uh, because it's a long time to tell in a very short amount of time at the beginning of a movie and keep all the canon and catch everybody up. But I never understood why they, they squashed it all. And now if you look at various media formats of star Wars, all the legend stuff seems to be well, not all of it, but there's a lot of legend stuff that's coming back. Yeah, and yeah. you don't pull Mount Tantus for the sake of hey, let's just name this thing Mount Tantus with the other things that are happening uh, in different Star Wars media right now, meaning Thrawn and coming. It's all these things are aligning. It's not just like oh, we got Mount Tantus. It's like oh, Thrawn's over here. We got cloning over here. We got this. Start and it's all filter. coming together start to feel very mcu like and uh, i'm intrigued yeah yeah and and like they didn't have to do this they could have just you know they didn't have to do it in the concept art either they, they could have just uh kept it a secret or could have just been just another mountain storehouse or whatever the fact that they're going all the way and so on like yeah this is mount tantas this is Wayland. also Wayland got another mention uh star wars explained uh explained in his video one of his videos that Wayland was made canon by the, uh, I think it was the Secrets of the Empire. Not Secrets mm-hmm. of the Empire, it was the other VR game that's out there. Um, it showed up there. So it's been canon for you know, a year or so, and now they've got this. And now we're going into this, and now we know Thrawn's coming up. And it seems uh, it was already seeming like Mandalorian, the Mandoverse, was doing its own version of the, here, the Empire. Now we got this. Now we're just, it's more dominoes are falling. Well, for people who may not know exactly what we're talking about, let's backpedal just a second and give. Yeah, I forgot. Not over. Not not everybody knows everything like we do. Everybody's a a Legends fan. I mean, we just convinced DMT Infinity. I thought it was obvious. Well, I mean, we just convinced DMT Infinity to go watch Attack of the Clones for crying out loud. There's probably like several people that don't know what the importance is about Mount Tantus being listed in the concept art, but in the finale. Nalase gets brought to uh to a a remote location. Yep, there you go. Um 
she gets brought to a remote location, and you were mentioning the clone commandos that were there helping uh, to defend the facility. And it's it's very remote, very isolated, very far away from everything. And in the Legends canon, Palpatine, the Emperor, kept a lot of his treasures in Mount Tanta. So much so that like his very favorite treasures were stored at the end of a very elaborate labyrinth at the base of the mountain. So, like, the more treasured his possessions were, the deeper into the mountain you had to go to find them. And it's believed, correct me if I'm wrong, fellas, because I did just a quick wiki search to make sure I had the context brought up, but there were clone growth chambers at Mount Tantus as well that helped, was it Thrawn, kind of revive a concept of cloning um, at some point in the Legends canon. There There was somebody... It was either Thrawn or maybe Saboth who uh, Sabaoth, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Who who was trying to basically revive the the force sensitive cloning expectations. And now by taking those concepts from the Legends canon, we now introduce the plausibility of the Emperor creating that clone of himself that we see in the canonized movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Right. Like in in the pl- the plot of Heir to the Empire is basically you know Thrawn trying to build up this army very very quickly, and he steals all of these dreadnoughts and and gets them and he needs people to run them, and so he goes to Mount Tantus where there is a bunch of cloning pods, mm-hmm. and those cloning pods are known for being unstable, but they can create clones very very quickly, and they're not as they're it's it's all pre the backstory of the clone wars is there in the end of the empire but it's not the clone wars that we know it's the pre prequels version of that so there's a little bit of wiggle room in like the canon but like you can mostly read it and go like okay yeah i see where they're coming from here but that basically it and so now we can kind of retrofit that to say okay now the kaminoans have come to mount tantus we're seeing a direct line from the prequels what they established with the kaminoans to what is established in the EU, which is Mount Tandis being this storehouse holding these cloning technology that can potentially be used by Thrawn maybe in the future. Uh, I think it's really important to remember that the Thrawn in Legends, well, there's definitely a lot of that Thrawn still in the current canon Thrawn. There's still two very different characters. Thrawn in Legends, uh, well, being a tactical genius and um, someone who was able to really like inspire uh, the people that served under him uh, was still a villain. You know, he was totally you know game for slavery and whatever he needed to do to win the battle. Thrawn in current canon, it is way more in the gray area. More anti-hero, about, yeah, yeah, very. That's exactly the word. You know, Thrawn in Legends is just straight up villain. Thrawn in this canon is not, and. Uh, you know, the anti-hero war, uh, saying is probably spot on, Ben. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. They're not doing it for the just for the sake of doing it. I think Timothy Zahn has one more uh, Thrawn prequel book coming that out. Sounds right. Uh, we know Thrawn's going to be in Ahsoka. I've heard it's not just Ahsoka. There's, there's plans here. And I think everybody just assumes that it's going to be, this is just, you know, me speculating. Sorry for rambling on here, guys. No um, but... A lot of people just think like, oh, Thrawn's going to be the Thanos. He's going to be the bad guy. 
And I don't know if you guys have read Thrawn Treason without spoiling too much. Um, there's sort of like this uh, other species in the unknown regions that's very Grisk. Vong, very Vong-like, but not Vong. They're the Grisk. And um, I have a hunch that this is going that route, that the people that we're following and the hmm. reason why we don't see them in the new movies is they're going to go deal with that issue. Because where have Thrawn uh, been the entire time? Okay, so some of the characters that we're seeing in the Mandoverse are basically assembling to be able to combat the threat of the Grisk. What's that sound like? Jeez, I feel like that sounds like a movie series we've all been following for 10 years. It so like essentially we could be setting up and like you know Ahsoka where is Grad and Admiral Thrawn all this stuff setting it up that Thrawn is going to be the big bad when maybe he's the one person that they need to defeat the Grisk because that Grisk thing has to be going somewhere I thought it was going to be a one off thing but then it kept showing up in the books and I'm like okay there's more to this apparently I thought there was going to be a conclusion at the end of Thrawn tre- a treason to that and there was not at all. Wow. Uh, so, and plus, there's the whole Chiss ascendancy, right? Like you could, everyone talks about expanding Star Wars, and they've done that in novels. They're starting to do it on in television, but like you could, you could really expand it now. What and- if, yeah, what if Thrawn returns to the ascendancy, and it's almost like a, it's almost like a like a when a, when Jon Snow had to go to the Wildlings to ask them for help. He's like, you know, I know that we have always been on opposite sides up until this point, but there is a threat greater than the war that has gone on between us. Not that the the Star Wars universe has had a war with the Ascendancy, but they've always been like a Cold War almost, kind of keeping their distance to a certain degree. And it's like, yeah, I know things have been frigid between us, but if we don't band together, we risk losing everything to this bigger threat. And if that becomes the Grisk, then I am... Very interested to see where that leads, not only for the potential Thrawn tie, uh, not Thrawn, but uh, Vong tie-ins, rather, um, because I, I read up on the Grisk, and they are fascinating. Like, a, a lot of the descriptions are very similar to the warlike creatures that the Vong were in the Legends canon, um, but these guys are supposedly nomadic. Like, they don't really go to any particular home world, and they really just go into battle for the sake of going into battle. And if you've got those types of dozens or hundreds of starships at your disposal, you're looking at a dogfight the size of something Star Wars has never seen before. And either way, either way we're heading towards something really epic in it, just the TV realm. <laughs> Possibly something more epic than what we got in the movies. I just think they'd have some explaining to do if I get it. Not everybody reads the books, but we're talking about the, the highest selling star Wars books in the new Canon novels. And we're talking about Thrawn, a character that a lot of diehards follow anyway. Uh, I think you would have to like really explain, okay, how did he go from, yeah, he's with the Imperials and he raised and, or he went up in Imperial rank, became a grand Admiral, but like those books make it clear that as much as he's there to help the empire, he's very much there because of the chiss and what's going on. And like a, you can help us if we can help you sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we never get to see the conclusion of that in the books. And with the grisk, like Zach mentioned again, without giving away too much, it almost the way I felt I've been, have you read treason yet? I am not caught up on the Thrawn books 
to be honest, I was bored. <laughs> I, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't gripping me as much as some other books. So uh, I'm kind of behind on Star Wars books anyway, and I've heard good things. So maybe I'll you know the audiobooks is very easy to to consume, and so I, I need to go back to them. Yeah, no, they definitely get better. Um, but it almost felt like Timothy Zahn's hands were tied with the Grisk. Almost like, you know, he was only allowed to do certain things because a lot of it was left open-ended. And uh, I thought there'd be a conclusion, and there wasn't. And uh, let's be honest, I, I, in terms of in-story, uh, there's not supposed to be, like, any sort of massive war that happened in between 6 and 7. You know, it, it right. was... Mostly but peace. if the war happens in the unknown regions, and and these books do a good job of making it clear, if you get out there, that doesn't mean you're getting back because of how uh, it all has to do with hyperspace lanes, which I also technically think connects to the uh, world between worlds. And it, it's just nuts. There's a bunch of uh, myth, myth mythology stuff going on out there that... Uh, Mithron it, Nerudo yeah. mythology... It's it's going to be interesting. I could see, like, for the general going audience, if they just brought him back as the villain and it's the Imperial Remnant, it's a short little battle. I tend to think it's not going to be that, and they're going to go do something in the Unknown Regions. Hell, how, how much did they tease the Unknown Regions in The Rise of Skywalker? We literally go there, and we see how complicated it is to, to find your way through there. Right. And right. I, I think, like, I love, like, if they said, to, if they announced tomorrow, okay, we're doing... Heir to the Empire. We're doing the Thrawn trilogy in live action in a TV show. I will be like, yes, I would be ecstatic. But we know that story. We've seen that story. We've read it a thousand times. I've read it at least twice now. Like it's great. I kind of want to see something different. I'm I, I'm open to like them going in a different direction and doing something unique and building something into this thing that's like has that mythology built in, but is something completely new and has been supported by Timothy Zahn and all these other great creators. Can, can I also point out that the next Star Wars movie is uh, is called Rogue Squadron? <laughs> and Well, it takes place, I think, after Rise of Skywalker. That seems to be the hint at it, anyway. Uh, it's not confirmed yet, so who knows? It's, but... it's, it's a movie that's going to be heavily involved in space, and who's to say that you can't cross some of that stuff over? I think you're right, though, Ben. I think they're going to go in a different direction. I think they're going to go into the unknown regions. They're not just going to repeat the same thing, although who knows? I mean, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to it, like you said, Ben, um, but I think there's enough source material that you know what to build and how to build it but these guys are creative enough that they can put their own spin on it they can put their own twist on it give you right. something that is still satisfying but not a copy and paste of someone else's work i mean even zon himself isn't using the exact same character design of the thrawn character that he created back in the 90s so if his Thrawn of the current canon is not the same as the Thrawn of the Legends canon, then the story surrounding him shouldn't be the same either. If I can entice every, anybody to go check out Thrawn Treason, which I do think is probably the weakest of the three novels, uh, but still solid, is the end of Star Wars Rebels basically gets better explained. And what you see on screen isn't necessarily... Uh, what you think is what I would say. 
okay, you have me at that, and I, I think Delray is paying you because you keep talking about this treason thing and trying to convince everybody. You convinced me, so there you go. I, I hope you get your royalty check. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't gotten any kind of royalties from anything that I've done in the last couple of years almost. <laughs> I think the last one I got was from the football broadcast I did uh, last year, so that that sort of thing is just not even on my radar. This is all in fun, but uh, this is this is a really fun speculation because all it took was landing a character on a mountaintop. Like literally, we we've gone from talking about the Bad Batch to speculating about the Mandoverse because of one character landing on one mountaintop that like one piece of concept art confirmed to us that it is this particular location. Like, this is, like, the weirdest domino to fall that, like, sets up this type of chain of events. And it's, like, both exciting and nerve-wracking. Because for me personally, I hate counting my chickens before they hatch. But all of the things, all of the signs seem to point to it going in this direction. And that is very exciting. If it doesn't, then... Yay for season two of the Bad Batch, you know, but I I can't help but wonder, you know, if we're going to be seeing more time on Tantus at some point on Wayland in season two at some point, will we get to see some of the other artifacts? There was even speculation that thought, what if this becomes the facility that clones the Zillow Beast? <laughs> Like, oh, I love that. I know that that's kind of far-fetched, but that Godzilla-like two-parter from the Clone Wars was one of the funnest romps in the whole series, in my opinion. Good. So, like, we never saw what happened to that doctor other than the orders that she got to clone the beast. If we're getting into cloning technology, hell, let's clone a Palpatine, let's clone a Jango Fett girl, and let's clone a giant Godzilla knockoff and have it go destroy some planet or other. Like, like, the it really was disappointing in the Rise of Skywalker when Palpatine, you know, reveals that he's been a clone or whatever, and he's 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 you he revived himself. If you could jump into any clone body, why wouldn't you jump into a, a clone Zillow Beast body? Come on, <laughs> Palpy. Oh, man, be at play here too, though. Uh, we know uh, we know a little bit of his backstory now. And let's not forget that the uh, most notable clone out of Legends that came from this exact facility happened to be a clone of the guy who popped up at the end of Mando Season 2. That's true. Which I don't think they would do that, but oh, man. Which means, which that is why Luke looks so weird at the end of The Mandalorian. He was Luke all along. It's not It's not Luke. It's Luke. <laughs> And uh, that's what's going to be the plot of season three of Mandalorian is Din Djarin rescuing Rook, uh, Rook, Rook. Rogu from. Uh, <laughs> I from even, uh, there's a pull. <laughs> Rook is dead, unfortunately, or maybe he's not. He died in Rebels. Maybe they'll bring him back. I think he's toast. <laughs> oh, just, which means Thrawn can't die the same way. <laughs> so, uh, at least not by the same guy. So no surprise, no surprise. Um, you... We got a couple more questions here. Do we want to get to those real quick? Yeah, by all means, let's let's get into those before uh, we have to call it a night. 
Okay, so Sean, you haven't seen all of the things, but feel free to answer the questions as as we do. Um, first one, I believe. Well, let, actually, let's go back. Okay, we we covered we, we covered, covered Mount Tantus. We cut co- we covered Tantus as best we could. Uh, uh, Joey May says your future expectations, direction, show will take, and your hopes for season two and beyond. Um. Well, I've since kind of talked some about that, Sean's only seen the first four episodes. I know what happens though. It's spoiler free, so um, well, obviously you want Thrawn to show up and clone Luke and all that kind of stuff. No, no, I don't actually. I don't. Where's when does this take place? A few years. This is after, right uh, after uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, see, that doesn't work. That doesn't work with the novels that they've written, and it's cool that this place is there and Thrawn could come up upon it at some point but thrawn should not be there right now uh unless they're gonna make I one thought the, i thought the novel timeline was a bit further down the line so yeah so uh i would just like to see them uh i said uh, on your chat last night you guys were on there and i popped in towards the end uh that you know it's okay to to build a show with new characters and start to like those characters and and not have you know obi-wan kenobi or or Boba Fett or Luke or the Emperor right. or Vader come in and steal the spotlight in the season finale. It's okay to give the characters who built the series or the season the spotlight when it counts at the end. And I respected them for doing that. So I think they should keep the focus where it should be on those, whether they all die or not. I would assume eventually they would. Um, keep it on them is what I would say. You know, you built it on them, keep it on them. But don't let the show go on forever. You know, two seasons is good, even three. Yeah, that and that's what I'll that's that'll be my speculation slash hopes for like thing is like hopefully they keep the focus on the bad batch. Yeah, we get some great cameos here and there, but ultimately it's about Omega and Tick and Crosshair and and <laughs> and and Ricka. Yeah, all those guys. Ricka. Oh, <laughs> uh, but that wasn't bad. If if I mean. I've got I've got a meme that I made that was like a really terrible meme that was like how everyone else sees tech and it's just a picture of tech and it's like how Omega sees him and it's a picture of the little bug. <laughs> tick tick. tick. <laughs> but um, for for me, I I hope to learn a little bit more about Omega in season two. I hope that they find a new base of operations. I don't want them to keep working for Sid. I agree. Uh, I, I, I feel like she was a, a means to an end and, and helped them kind of figure out or, or navigate that type of, of underworld type life that they might need to do for other secret missions and stuff. But I don't think working for her is like something that they need to think about long term. So, um, I hope they've got a new base of operations for season two. I hope that we get confirmation that Omega has at least a high midi-chlorian count, if not some kind of force sensitivity. And I hope we get a little more Tantus. Those are my three big things uh, for the for the next season of the show. And Tech was wrong. She secretly is a female clone of Palpatine. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oopsie. Um, don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. Don't want to go there. Mm-mm, don't know if um, I'm on that rabbit hole. Um, okay. Well, uh, uh, Matthias was asking, asking, what was our favorite cameo? I know what mine is. Sean, did you? I know there was a couple of cameos in the couple first for few episodes. It, it, uh, I don't think I've seen the episode yet with it. 
Uh, but I've seen all the images because it blew up all over the internet. I mean, Rex. Rex is awesome. Who doesn't want to see more Rex? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah. And, and, and his his appearances, I feel like, were very well balanced. Like, he he serves the purpose that he needs to, but doesn't take away from the attention on the squad, which is what the show is all about. Right. Like, he, he doesn't... He doesn't like take over the screen time. He adds to it. And they so added, I, sorry, Zach. They they added Rex, right? So they could have easily added Ahsoka with him. Like, but they resisted the urge because then that really would have taken the attention off. And they right. kept it on the clones. And Zach's Zach, Zach's spot on. And yep. I, I love the inclusion of Rex just for the fact of they use him so sparingly. He's literally in one episode, full episode, that's it. It's not like they couldn't get the actor back to voice rex he was there all along they chose to like give at rex one good episode and that's it and let him go i love that um but oh, okay zach what was your what was your favorite cameo was it rex or someone else i i did enjoy rex but uh i i think just based on how i talked about this character earlier it should be pretty obvious <laughs> who who my favorite cameo was i don't think i have screamed that loud at the tv since I saw um, Evan Peters show up in WandaVision. <laughs> Cad Bane. Cad Bane showing up in Episode 8 Reunion. The music that went behind him was just very good, the bad, and the ugly type of vibes. The The camera work and just hearing Corey Burton reprising the role I mean, everything about it was just so perfect. I thought, yeah, this is a pretty decent episode. I can see why people enjoy it. And then they get to the shuttle, and you hear the gravelly mechanical voice. Wasn't much work. Da-da-dum! And you're just like, ah! I just, I, I practically had a seizure over that. Because, again, we hadn't seen him since Season 4, Episode 18 of The Clone Wars, February of 2012. And then we get him in this episode. To have him back in the fold was like the one of the highlights of the season for me. We are of the same mind. I was floored to have Cad Bane back and just just so good. He's like one of the all-time favorite bounty hunter characters, one of my favorite characters from Clone Wars. To have him back was just so great. As you said, like literally before well before Disney took over. Well before the Disney sale, months before it, that's the last time we saw Cad Bane. Like that's amazing. Yeah. And having back. And my literally one of my few disappointments with the season is the fact that I was assuming that he would come back. That he would have a part to play maybe in the finale. He didn't. But right. he's still out there. He'll he'll show up again, I'm sure, in Bad Batcher. Just the fact that he's alive after Clone Wars. He survived the war. He's out there. He'll show up in other places. I'm glad he's here. And that whole the cowboy music and all this guys it's so good didn't you didn't you make a post on twitter that went semi-viral from cad bane's appearance you took uh the the mandolin from the road to el dorado and <laughs> i did it was okay it was a picture of it was a picture of cad bane what it says uh i can't remember i have to look at the tweet again it's basically the bad batch cad bane shows up and then it was the Kiners, as in the people that make the music, the, the Kiner brothers and their and their husband, husband, father. Um, don't, 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 don't go with that. Um, 
um, the Kiners, and it's just got the guy from El Dorado just strumming that guitar. And like anytime he's on screen, it's so good. It was brilliant. Oh, that that was that was yeah, that like guy, somebody on a podcast was like mentioned me. I was like, oh wow, this is got this is gone super viral. People were like talking about it on other shows. This is great. The grade A meme right up there with your reference to the monkeys with the Mandalorian show titles. <laughs> then I saw his face. That one's my pin tweet, and it probably always will be. It's uh, uh Din Djarin, and <laughs> and I saw his face, and I was I came up with that one. I'm like. This is gold. Most of the time I come up with a tweet and it's gold. I think it's gold and it's not. No one likes it. No one tweets it. That one got – I'll have to actually look and see. Um, <laughs> it went viral. Um, but 1,316 retweets, 8,000 likes. Okay, did pretty good. Did pretty good. I'm very proud of that one. Jeez, Louisiana, yeah. dude. Then I saw Din Djarin's face. Now I'm a believer. Believer. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Okay, um, let's talk about like um, I guess like just our our thoughts on the season, thoughts on the finale, and uh, overall planet scores because we've got to do a little bit of barbecue and then uh, sign off uh, for the night. It is getting kind of late here, and there's another show happening right after this one concludes. So Sean's in for a late night tonight, and oh, damn. let him try and get that ball rolling as soon as we can. Dude, feel free to contribute your thoughts. If you did, you skip ahead to the finale by any chance just to see Tantas? Have you seen anything of the final two? I've seen the images. I ba- I basically know what's happened in the entire series. It's just hard to find extra free time right now. Sure. Uh, I think if you wanted to watch the finale, you could you could basically watch it. Like I'm not saying like nothing happens in the other episodes, but like you could you could you could. You got if you watch the first few episodes, you got he's, the gist he's, of it. Seen the first few, he kind of knows the gist, and then you see like the last two to help tie things up. Like that's doable. I, I think, think the rest of the season is completely watchable and great, but if you're short on time, I understand. Yeah, but the two part finale is pretty self explanatory. Um, I'll go first if that's okay, because I yeah. need to take the water, and so I'm gonna like do this and then like just drink until <laughs> we get to the end. Um. I, I am in agreement with your thoughts at the top of the show. This is the most solid first season of Star Wars animation that we've gotten. And so that's including Resistance, that's including Rebels, that's including Clone Wars. Out of the four that we've gotten, um, this is definitely like the the best one. I wouldn't say that it's better than the first season of Mando, so it's not like the best first season of Star Wars television. Um, but it's probably like top two, I would think. I, I think I would put this first season of a Star Wars TV show um, behind the first season of Mando as far as quality content, hitting the ground running, firing on all cylinders, leaving you wanting more in the second season. Like It did all of those things. I, of course, feel like there could be some more character development for other characters, um, I feel like there were certain episodes that were placed in the wrong part of the season. Um, I feel like, uh, what was it? Um, I think episode 13, Infested. I think that one should have happened before the Ryloth storyline, not after it. Uh, it just it felt rather jarring as far as like carrying the momentum. In the I pace. think that episode shouldn't have happened at all. Just a high time. Oh, oh, damn. Um, 
but I but we're we're kind of in a, in a similar mindset that like just that placement of that episode either should have been elsewhere or non-existent in your case. Um, but other than that, it's a it's a it's a fun show to watch. I enjoyed what I saw. Uh, didn't try to overthink it too much, just because much like any show you just got to take it for what it is instead of what you expect it to be and uh, i just expected an extension of the clone wars with characters that we were familiar with and was hopeful for cameos which we got a bunch of and there is a lot of resolution but a lot of unresolved stuff as well and so when you blend all of that together it makes a pretty solid show um not perfect by any means but a lot of really really great moments a lot of really great episodes and i think i'd end up giving this first season somewhere in the range of probably an 8.5 out of 10 makes a lot of sense and uh just for the record for those who uh maybe maybe you can see it maybe you can't see it yes (laughs) yes just for the Uh, record brilliant brilliant um, uh, Sean, do you have any final thoughts? Did you give final thoughts? I'm sorry. I, 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 I want to give you the floor. I, I would just say this, this is going to sound dark, but I really hope if, if season two ends it, or if season three ends it, that these characters, um, I guess it's sound dark. I, I hope these characters all get killed off and that <laughs> the bad batch is who raised Omega and shapes Omega into, uh, whoever that character ends up becoming. Uh, I like the idea of, you know, it's almost kind of like saving private Ryan. They all go Tom Hanks and company all go over there and, and they save Matt Damon, but most of them die, but it was their sacrifice that allowed him to go on and have a life and have a family. And I know it's animated, but I would really like to see an ending like that. I think that'd be cool. So you're saying, uh, the, the biggest and best cameo to come in the bad batch is Matt Damon, not playing a character, but actually Matt Damon. Yeah. It's just like, hi, I'm Matt Damon. Who did Damon play in uh, Ragnarok again? Uh, he played Loki. Yeah, so he'll be Loki. That's Why? the Loki variant we were missing in Loki is the Matt Damon Loki <laughs> variant. And, oh, damn. Right. I'm telling you, that's that's a missed opportunity. Um, mm. Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna also echo your 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 sentiments, Zach. I'm, I think I'm going to give it also an 8.5. 8, before, before you said that, I was thinking 8.5 out of 10 was my credit score. My credit score! Ah! And I oh, wish the credit score was 8.5. Jeez. <laughs> That's damn good, man. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I've been told you, that. Um, so... But my planet score, I think, will be 8.5 out of 10. Because, like like I said, I do have some gripes. I wish we could have gotten more Echo. Um, I wish we could have gotten more Cad Bane. That's not really a, a legit criticism. But, you know, this season was not perfect by any means. You know, there was a couple episodes I could have done completely without. Um, but, you know, overall, I think it was very, very strong. As far as animated Star Wars go, I think it was one of the strongest seasons overall. And just the the character development that we get Omega was great. A standout character that I didn't know even going in that I would love her as much as I would. I think the internet has definitely fallen in love with her, but I didn't know I would grow so attached to her so quickly character that we didn't even know existed until a few weeks before 
this series even came out. Um, but overall, I think it's great. Season two, I cannot wait for. You know, I didn't know I would grow this fond of this show as much as I have because the show, I didn't know where it was going to land with me. I didn't know how it was going to actually affect me. I love Clone Wars. This is an extension of Clone Wars. This is pretty much exactly what I wanted, but at the same time, I wasn't that big of a fan of the Bad Batch characters going in, but now I am. So I got to give Bad Batch credit for winning me over and can't wait for season two. Well, whenever that happens, we'll probably end up talking about it at some point here on the show, one way or another. We'll be Um, old men talking about season 12 with the Bad Batch. Just wait. (coughs) Jesus. Jesus. I don't know about that. But what I what I do know is, uh, unfortunately, due to um, athletic obligations and the other broadcasting that I do, this is going to be uh, my last episode for the next few months. Um, we did try and bring it up to a every two week format instead of an every week format, partially because we knew this was coming. We knew that I was going to be taking a bit of a hiatus and I wouldn't be able to be on the program as much. And so it helped Ben as far as scheduling guests is concerned. Um, You know, he's only going to have to do it maybe five or six times instead of 12 or 13 times. So um, we don't have Jake around anymore. He's got family obligations and we get that. We respect that. We miss you, dude. Hope you're tuning in still while you're driving. Sorry, dog, going out there, having a life, having kids and having, you know, God dare he yeah. but but i but i get it and so we're making the most of what we can and there'll be some pretty cool people that are going to try and fill in in the meantime but uh yeah i'm glad that we got this discussion in before uh i hit the ground running with football season you can follow me at that social media platform right there at zach the voice facebook twitter instagram uh twitch tiktok even i'm making tiktok videos now i'm not very good at it but i'm making them so um hit me up on all those different social media places to keep up with you know whatever i'm doing outside of ipc Uh, i greatly appreciate both of you guys helping you know keep the ship afloat in the meantime and i look forward to being back in november hopefully november i can say with all honesty and respect man respect the hustle Respect what you're doing. Um, Hopefully you can continue to get your dreams and make all that stuff happen because I know you're working very, very, very hard. You guys have no idea what this guy's been doing. He's been working his ass off to make stuff happen, and I'm very proud of him. Um, And we're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. I've already been talking to some interesting people. Um, As much as I hate to do the show without you, there's some interesting people that are going to be coming on here to uh, do the show. I think and, really, and people haven't been on the show in quite a while. And I'll still be available on Monday nights, which is usually when we record our R-rated IPC show. Yeah. So if you want a little more Zach in your life, go become a patron at patreon.com slash IPC podcast. I'll try and make it for as many of those episodes as I can. I'm pretty sure... Our September episode is going to be about the Suicide Squad. And so you can expect this panel and maybe somebody else like Jesse on the call for that talking about the Suicide Squad come next month. So there'll still be to talk about there. We do have one more thing to talk about before we call it a night, though. If you're still watching live with us, thank you for tuning in. Get out your hashtags. Put them in the chat. If you're listening on social media, then hit us up with the hashtag BBQWatch. It is time for that segment, and uh, I know Ben's running short on time, um, but I went to a place that 
Uh, it looked like it was like a converted Sonic drive-in. Sean, do you guys have Sonics up there in Canada? No. <laughs> do you you know of them though, and their and their concepts with the people that still bring the food to you? Uh, you will push the little button and you read off of the menu, that kind of thing. Is there anything similar to that up there? A&W used to be that way, but it hasn't been that way in a long time. Yeah, some of those down here used to do that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found one in the middle of nowhere, right next door to where one of my company's ATM machines are. Um, It's between here and Oklahoma in this little side road that's like 15 minutes off of the main road. Like, it's it's kind of out there. But it is a drive-in barbecue establishment. They've got a place where you can pull your car up and park, look at the menu right outside your driver's side window, and I swear the sign looks like it's 30 years old or something. And the intercom looks like something you would use to call for a nurse at a hospital in the 70s. Like, it's <laughs> it's so old, but their yeah. prices are almost that old, too. Like, their barbecue sandwiches are only, like, five or six bucks. And they're I thought you were gonna say like five or six cents. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish. But they're very reasonably priced compared to the cost of sandwiches in the area. Like around here, if I was to try and get a barbecue sandwich like at Spring Creek or something, it's probably like nine or ten bucks. Something like that. And so to have something that's closer to five or six is actually really good. Um and then they give you a side of fries for like two bucks. And it's not like the side of fries you get at a McDonald's or a Wendy's. Like, they give you almost a separate bag for the fries. And it's just like like, a, like almost a pound of steak fries in there that are just so, so good. Um, and you can get a whole meal plus the tip and stuff for like just under 12 bucks. And so my thought that I wanted to, to pose to you guys, I know that this particular establishment looked a little bit older but considering the way food service has been changed because of COVID, do you feel like drive-in barbecue has the potential to take off? Is it the potential future of barbecue, considering curbside service and that kind of stuff that we've had recently? Is it a future prospect for barbecue service, or did I just discover a thing of the past that needs to die out thoughts it's it's interesting because i i've been thinking for for a long long time i've been fascinated once when i was a kid i went to a drive-in theater mm-hmm. and ever since then i've been i I've, I've told this story many times i saw a double feature with shrek and spy kids that's how old that's how long ago i did that <laughs> shrek was a new movie i saw shrek wow. the one and only time in a theater at a drive-in that was amazing that drive-in wow. has closed. There is no drive-ins anywhere near where I am. I have not been to one, one like two minutes away from where I am. See, like. that's crazy. I am so jealous. So I am like – I seriously like there is a multiverse version of me that like I want to go like open a drive-in. Like that's a, a, an aspiration to me. I would love to do cool. that. That'd be um, cool. Because, because there's like – there's a an old drive-in here that's been gone since well before I was born. Um, I was like, oh, I can go that and redo it, whatever. And obviously there's other things and there's a lot of upkeep. And I've gone into like the death of drive-ins were like the fact that, you know, you can only show movies at night and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a lot. There's a reason they went the way of the, the wagon, but I'm still, I love the concept. I love the novelty of it. And so I want it to come back. 
I want that thing. And simultaneously, I have a Sonic oppositely right down the street from me. I could almost throw a rock and hit it from here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's great. During COVID, it's been even better. You can go there very safely, take your order. Just when someone comes to the car, you wear a mask. That's it. Like, you're good. Mm -hmm. And it's a great concept. And I think, you know, COVID has made us rethink everything about things. Like, you know, going to a theater. I just went to a theater. I watched Free Guy the other day. Thankfully, no one else was in the theater. I was all alone. So that was great. But that's not always the case. I would have preferred. By the way, just having the whole place to yourself. You could, like, stretch out, kick your feet up on the row in front of you and have nobody judging you. You could, like, provide your own commentary (laughs) <laughs> like the whole time through and nobody cares. Like nobody's going to tell you to shush. You can like check in on your socials and stuff. Cause nobody's telling you to don't talk or text. Don't ruin the movie, all that bull crap. Like that is, that is a pretty cool feeling. Yeah. So I love the drive-in concept. I love thing and a barbecue place. I never even thought of now I'm thinking, why not combine the two? <laughs> why not barbecue drive-in theater? They have a dine-in theater. That's a thing. Why not combine the two? A drive, a drive-in, dine-in. I could get on board with that. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts? Uh, so I, I have a hard time picturing, and Ben would know more about this because I mean it's his profession, right? So, uh, but I have a hard time like picturing a drive-up um, barbecue um, where the food's going to be, you know, still super fresh. You know, I'm really picky when it comes to, you know, I want my food fresh. Not that I won't eat leftovers, but if I'm paying for it, I want it fresh. You know, I don't want something that was cooked right, 12 hours ago and, you know, someone's heating it up super quick in a microwave or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be terrible. Um, so I don't know if that would work, but I mean, barbecue is great, you know, and it goes great with so much. Uh, just, I want to throw this out here quickly. I know we're tight on time. I don't know if this is happening down there where you guys are, but Taco Bell up here is exploring this new type of building where everything that. is elevated and you have four drive-through lines at once so that you move super quick. But and if you want like to eat inside, dumb yeah. waiters that come down and give you your food. Yeah, yeah, no, it's this like it's it's a while away. I think they said four or five years still. But honestly, the idea I think could revolutionize fast food. I know it's not barbecue, but like, hey, I, I, it's I in the same it. realm. It's the same realm. Make it happen. Zach um, for his job, it's hard to you know get you want to get dinner on the road quick. Sometimes you can't. You might not be home till super late, right? And you know, I travel for my job too, and it's like you go to a drive-through lineup, and there's 25 cars in line. This would basically eliminate that, and I think that that's cool. I don't know if you could do something like that with barbecue, but I, I found that interesting. If Taco Bell does it, I would expect Chick-fil-A to do it in the next couple of years, too. Like, that's, that's entirely like, possible. Like Chick-fil-A possible. lines around here, at least, will stretch out into the street sometimes. The curbside service has helped improve it a little bit, but I think curbside and drive through as a concept in general has become an even bigger craze than before just because a lot of places had to close their lobbies because of the pandemic. And so now they're figuring out, hey, we make just as much profit with people interacting with us at the window as we did when they were sitting at our tables. I think it's going to affect the food industry as we know it. And I know that this is going beyond the scope of barbecue, 
but I have heard that there are places like Starbucks and there are some chicken places like Church's Chicken and places like that that either already have restaurants or establishments that are like this or they are building them where they don't even have a lobby. It's it's just a it's just a small smaller building that is strictly drive-through oriented. You can't come in and order anything, or if you do, you're just at a window, like a plexiglass window, and you get your stuff and you go again. Like, there's no tables or nothing. All you're doing is ordering from the drive-thru, and everybody that works there is working the drive-thru line. They're not working on the lobby. They're not working on the bar. They're not working on cleaning up the bathrooms or anything like that. Their focus is just on the drive-thru. So I that that's why I was thinking about having drive-in barbecue because just drive-through concepts in general seem to be taking off again. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll I'm gonna say one more thing and then I'll shut up so we can wrap. But because I have so many things to say and I'm trying to hold myself back. But mm-hmm. um, like COVID, I think has taught us so many things. I think look at all the fast food places; they're just closed up now. They're not even opening their inside. They have to be thinking about well, why don't we just why have bother with the lobby? Just just make a place that's strictly drive through, and let's just do that. Um, not to say that inside eating will go away, but it might be it might be just at certain restaurants. You might have a maybe you'll have a Taco Bell drive through at one end of town and a Taco Bell eat in at the other end of town, and that's the norm. Very well, could be. I think we just need to have like a barbecue and food related episode at some point where I am game. I am totally game. Like that's been a segment that we've done on the show forever, but I don't recall if we've ever done just a strictly barbecue related episode because in Texas, there's like barbecue cook-off competitions that you can have at the high school level where you're competing against other high schools to see who can make and produce the highest quality barbecue there's like local places there's chains there's like the varieties of sauces based on the region the specialty items based on the state like there's so many things you can cover about barbecue that maybe we just need a whole episode dedicated to that i'm gay i am absolutely gay it'll be around thanksgiving when i finally make it back to the show so maybe we like blend it with like a thanksgiving topic or something when i come back in november But who knows? Uh, This show will be back in two weeks. In the meantime, keep up with us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Be sure to try and find the Intergalactic Peace Hangout or the Phantom Empire Den to be able to find all the stuff that's going on on this YouTube channel and just on this show in general uh, in between episodes. You can find previous episodes on places like iTunes and Google Podcasts. And uh, you can find like a whole subsection of just our episodes right here on Phantom Empire's YouTube channel. There's like a channel dedicated to that. It's like a subsection. You can find all of that. And then, like I said earlier, follow me at uh, Zach the Voice on all the different social media platforms to uh, keep up with the football stuff that I'll be doing for the next couple of months. But until then, uh, hope you guys have a really great time without me, but not too much fun so that you're glad to see me when I get back. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh ben yeah you can follow me at ben hart with no e and at sw at the sw and at culture slate all those stuff you know those things don't worry about it you know the drill and uh like i said just a moment ago sean's actually going to be going live again in just a minute here with a uh special late night phantom empire exclusive you want to tell them about that dude 
Uh, yeah, we're going to talk wrestling and uh, CM Punk. So uh, seven years in the making, and uh, it was fun uh, fun being on, guys. And Mount Tantus, Thrawn, Bad Batch, yeah. Legends is sort of back. To a degree. And hopefully, you know, there's that old phrase about how there's a, a little bit of truth in Legends, and that seems to be manifesting itself in the uh, creation of these shows. So I'm looking forward to all of that and looking forward to being back in a couple of months. But that is going to do it for the 231st episode of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast. We are officially in the books. Thank you all that uh, tuned in live and thanks for uh, listening after the fact. If you tune in while you're driving around or whatever, hope to see you guys again on the next episode. Uh, but until then, for Sean and Ben, I'm Zach, and uh, we'll see you next time. Until then, good night, everyone.